Hey guys, Jason here. Uh, we talk about it a little bit at the end of the episode. Um, we're going to try another t-shirt campaign. We we're hoping to have it launched before this episode went up. Uh, looks like it's going to go up on Monday, so keep an eye on the thread here. Uh, we'll put a link on the BGG Guild. Um, that's Guild 1660 over at BoardGameGeek. Um, I'm sure if you had, if you Google Advance After Combat, that'll come up. Um, we'll also put it up on the page for this uh, episode. So keep an eye on it for Monday, uh, January 18th. That'll go up and um, support us so we can keep this thing going. Thanks, guys. Advanced After Combat. Okay, this is the Advanced After Combat podcast. It's a podcast about war games, uh, our experiences wargaming, and I guess generally just stuff we do with war games doesn't get much more than that uh this is a horrible podcast uh it is explicit <laughs> yeah it's it's not good if you're looking for quality you've come to the wrong place uh <laughs> if you're used to poor quality you're going to be very comfortable with what we've got going on here so if you've if you've heard us before then you kind of know what, what we do uh this podcast is brought to you by myself dave uh my co-host jason hello and a uh, mystery host that we bring in every every month from our guild on BGG. And this month, the mystery host is Scott. Hello. Welcome. Okay, enough about you, Scott. Glad to be um, here. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Oh. Done. Okay, so, um, so Scott is our mystery host. He's obviously super excited to be on. He's told all his friends that he's going to be hosting. Um, but actually, Scott, I, I'm aware that you might have gotten something out of the guild. I believe you've made a wargaming love connection out of the guild. Is that correct? I do. I have a new bromance, uh, Kyle, Nerd of Doom. And uh, lately we've been getting together probably for the last three weeks or so, doing some stuff. Very nice. Yeah, so that's sweet because you basically met him through the guild, but he's also a face-to-face uh, -face guy for you because he's local. So that's not something I've had the pleasure to enjoy yet. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We, uh, we met through the uh, White Elephant Exchange, or the White Duck Exchange, excuse me, sorry. And uh, he picked my game, and when I looked his address up, he's only lived about 15 minutes away. Wow, that's cool. And you guys, do you guys, is he kind of more of a more experienced game gamer than you, or are you kind of same level, or what? No, I'm kind of a Methuselah when it comes to this shit. Uh, he's probably got about ten years in, so it's been it's been good. So now um, he's he's grooming you, basically. Indeed, he is. Nice. And you guys, you guys have a have common interests as far as historical periods or or stuff like that, or? Yeah, we both did uh, World War II tactical. Um, we've been doing some combat, there, and he just picked up the ASL starter kit, and we're gonna start that journey soon. Yeah, that disease has been spreading like wildfire like, through the game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just ordered Beyond Valor yesterday, too. Pretty <laughs> about that. I, I, I kind of feel guilty, but I really don't. You know, I'm gonna, you I'll should. be honest. You should. Yeah, I, I got the ASL vaccine, but I didn't get the flu shot. So I'm paying for that right now. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so Scott, as far as your wargaming history, kind of what's your background? Is for, did you, when did you get into it? Was it something you did when you were younger, stopped doing and started up again, or has it kind of been something you've always been into or, or what? 
Oh, wow. So I started in like 79, maybe, with uh, Starship Troopers, uh, the old Avalon Hill game. Uh, Very nice. Yeah, yeah. And from there, it's like role-playing stuff, Dungeons & Dragons. And I went to my first convention in 81 or 82. It's Coast Con in Biloxi. And some guys were playing uh, Luzachi's version of Starfleet Battles. <clears throat> and I fell in love with that. And from there, I primarily did uh, miniatures gaming in, in the early 80s. And then uh, through high school, I got into, into war gaming with some friends. And took a hiatus for just a couple of years and back into it. So Now, so, so you're originally from Louisiana? Yeah, born and bred, French Quarter, New Orleans. Because isn't... Uh... Wasn't Sword in the Flame also a big miniatures? Didn't the guy who write the Sword in the Flame live out there? Yeah, that's so. That's kind of a neat thing too. Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, Larry Brom. He actually. I, I love in, getting into these miniature conversations. Oh, so he actually lived right down the shirt hole so fast and so Sword fast. In the Flame. You guys are talking over me. Oh, good. Sorry, I was I was laughing at your guys' expense. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll allow it. So yeah, Sword in the Flame was was actually at that convention too, and there was a big uh, Zulu War thing, and I got into that. And when I found out we were moving to North Carolina, I was like, oh wow, uh, Larry Brown lives there. And I moved here, and I found out that he had moved to fucking New Orleans two weeks before that. <laughs> Oh, was he not originally down there? I thought I didn't realize he'd moved down there. I thought he was from that area. No, he moved down there in I think two thousand five. Okay, so like right now, uh, what's kind of your favorite war game that you've been playing? Wow. Uh, since yesterday, I'm reacquainting myself with Second Fleet. Um, we've been doing, like I said, we've been doing Combat Commander, so that's that's pretty much the the gist of everything right now. I've got a lot of stuff and I don't play so much. So how, like how many board games do you think you own? <clears throat> Close to 200. You hear that ladies? That's not that's <laughs> too bad. And we don't, we, I have maybe 85. I think I'm okay. Wow. Nice. Nice. I, I actually, I really, I'm sitting here looking at everything over the last week or so. And I'm thinking, I uh, would love to downsize, you know, the days when I was younger, we, played maybe five games and, and, and played them a lot. You know, like Sixth Fleet, I pro I've probably played a hundred times in the 80s. And, uh, you know, the, the the one game I've played recently uh, more than a couple of times has been Combat Commander, and that's maybe a dozen and a half, maybe two dozen times. And uh, what are you drinking, Scott? Well, I'm starting off with some Nuki Browns, and uh, after nice. the... After the quiz, I'll probably move over to uh, probably rum and coke, or maybe uh, maybe I'll just shoot up some vodka. <laughs> yeah, our, our guild physician would approve. I like that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how sloppy you guys want me to get. <laughs> oh, okay. go full bore, please. It's not what we want. It's <laughs> okay. what the listeners want. All right, all right. Let's That's do true. this. Then. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> the, the bar yeah. is set very low <laughs> for performance. <laughs> Jason, Luckily, I'll be. I'm drinking black tea with honey. Awesome. Good. You're going to be. You're going to be a steady hand at the wheel during this. Yeah, episode. I'll be. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll grind the organ this episode if needed. I am yeah. drinking the Eye of the Hawk Imperial Ale from Mendocino Brewing. Mm. Terrible. Ooh, that's terrible. Is it really? It's not yeah. good. It sounds very hipster. It sounds good. <laughs> it, it sounds sound good. I, I got It's so hipster, I bought it at Trader Joe's. But There you go. Not great, so whatever. Mm. I'm going to switch after that one? Uh, well, no, I'm going to finish them all, and then I'll switch. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just might as well kill the whole thing. That's how I roll. Okay, so uh, this is obviously our first episode after Christmas. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. Um, one thing that I want to talk about is we're going to – I went to see Star Wars. I think Scott's seen Star Wars. I don't know, yeah. Jason. Jason, have you seen it? I've, I've seen it twice. Okay, so we're going to want to discuss that, but we'll give you guys a spoiler alert okay. if you you haven't uh, seen it. And uh, but but generally Christmas time, do you guys have any get any good stuff for Christmas? Jason, you want to talk about any of the gifts you got or any gaming related stuff relating to Christmas? I got I got a couple things from Guildies, which was really nice. I don't know if they want me to talk about it, but some really nice stuff <clears throat> stuff there. Um, I didn't get anything gaming related from my family at all this year. My wife, like, I don't know, I got a TV. So that was nice. So she, she kind of took it easy on the other stuff. And I got a bottle of whiskey. Um, and that's really all I wanted. Um, and a couple, like, cookbook and that kind of stuff. But no games. Scott, did you did you get stuff? And I'm not talking about stuff you bought for yourself. Yeah, we, my, my wife doesn't do uh, gaming stuff for me because I just normally just go out and buy whatever the hell I want. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and, and she really has no clue uh, when it comes to stuff like that. So, but we got a we got a big TV this year, and we took a family trip to the mountains, or not really the mountains, I guess the the wilderness of Alabama. <laughs> oh, oh, nice! Like what? Like northern Alabama? Uh, just south of Birmingham, right about the time that Birmingham ate a tornado. So I was sitting outside looking at a black sky at four in the afternoon, wondering if it was coming at me. Wow. Yeah. So you guys get, what was, what was the purpose of that trip? Was it like, was it uh, so just to get away? There's my wife has three sisters and all the four of them decided they wanted to get together. It's my wife's 50th birthday just after Christmas. And, um, instead of one sister, I'm going to let her know you said that. Oh, she knows I'm married to an old lady. <laughs> now. Um, so instead of one sister driving 13 seconds more than the other one, they drew a line and, and Birmingham was right in the middle. Oh, Jesus. That's fun. Yeah. Actually, it was really nice. We would spend a week, uh, it's Oak Mountain Park, I think it was called. And I had zero connectivity, no e email, no internet, no nothing. It was really nice. That's cool. Got I want to do something like that soon. Got some hiking in, and uh, I found out, I don't know, I made a post about it, but I lost my glasses in a raging torrential stream. And uh, so that was that was a part of part of the experience, the adventure. Yeah, I got some generous gifts from Guildies, too. Um, I'm going to leave it vague to encourage others <laughs> to contribute. I don't want yeah, exactly. to set, yep. set any kind of bar, but yeah, some nice guys. I, I do appreciate it. Yeah. And to set the record straight, I was not complaining about not getting anything. So <laughs> I don't want it to think like I was bitchy. And, and then, though, though maybe like guys should just sometimes give us stuff anyway, because I got to tell you, when I can, when a game comes in and I can tell my wife, hey, I got this from the Guildies, 
the guys in the guild. Exactly. I'm like, yeah. hey, see, so all the time I spend, there is some payoff. And then I can also use it for when like games do show up from GMT that mm -hmm. I actually then bought. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm like, this is a game from a guild. About it. <laughs> yeah, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's another <laughs> gift. I'm like, I made a trade. I'm like, see, this podcast is finally paying off for us. So we went to uh, Mass for Christmas Eve, and normally uh, we just go to like Magic Mountain, and I refuse to go to Mass on Christmas and Easter because that's when everyone goes and it's packed. Um, but we went, and there was a new priest at, the, uh, at our parish, and uh, basically he's a young guy, so he gets up there, and it's a children's Mass, so it's a children's choir. There's probably about... Uh, 300 kids in the in the church itself and then there's off-site seating in a rec center next door where they're doing closed circuit tv where everyone's sitting probably another 200 kids in that room and so basically the priest gets up and his homily is he tells a story about how when he was a kid uh he always looked forward to santa claus and it's the same fucking homily they give us the poor Catholics have to sit through on Easter and Christmas. We've heard it a billion <laughs> times. It's not about Santa Claus. It's about Jesus. And so it's not about the Easter bunny. It's about, you know, we, we get it. You give us the same homily. But this priest says, he's a young guy, and he says, uh, yeah, so I always look forward to Santa Claus. And then one day I caught my dad wrapping the presents, and I realized there was no Santa Claus. And blah, blah, blah. And so suddenly... And through the congregation, did he give a spoiler ripple. to all the other kids there? <laughs> I was going to say, spoiler so, alert, like in the, I, I hadn't really picked up on it because I was just kind of sitting there, like whatever. I'm, I'm sitting. I'm there. It <laughs> just counts. kind of nodding. Along. As a, as a, as a Catholic, I'm present, so it counts. You just have to be there when attendance <laughs> is taken. That's what. That's you don't have to actually get mess. So we're walking out, and my wife is like, "I cannot believe that that priest just told all those kids that there's no such thing as Santa Claus." And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize he'd done that. That's crazy. But I guess in the off-site seating, like, kids were crying. Parents were standing up, storming oh my out gosh. of the place. So, so basically this priest in front of, like, 500 kids basically told them all at a children's mass, like, yeah, Santa Claus isn't real, kids. So That's let's move awesome. On. So I thought that was pretty entertaining. So That's why we're raising our kid with no Santa Claus. We'll, ju we'll just take all the fun and heartbreak out of Christmas. It'll just be about presents. Yeah, you should try. You should try Krampus. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. he's he's gonna fuck it up for all the other kids. though. that's the problem. That's okay. And and what's funny is we we joke because my son is the older son is nine and he still at least says he believes in Santa Claus, like he wants to believe in Santa Claus. So we said that like Cameron's gonna ruin it for Noah. <laughs> because we're we're not gonna keep that around. Well, my my dad used to dress up, and he would like, like when the girls were asleep, they'd wake up at like eleven, and he'd come through as if he was Santa Claus, and I had run into him, and we would act out this dialogue between each other while they were watching from the steps. <laughs> so they're gonna be really confused. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're like, no, we've literally seen this guy. Like, we've seen him. He's been talking, and my dad had like j jingle bells, like the reindeer. He'd ring it outside so they'd hear the reindeer. <laughs> oh my goodness, like, so that's was, awesome. Yeah, but they haven't seen him in a couple of years because my dad hasn't been out. It's a real so. Clark Kent situation. They didn't recognize your dad. No, not at all. Yeah, they didn't pick up on it, but they were younger too. Mm, I see. Uh, Scott, did you get anything? Oh, I uh, like gaming wise, like presents. Yeah, or or worth noting. 
Well, I got the, I got the Battle of Monmouth, uh, uh, oh, game. Uh, Ooh, from, I, from I had that in my hands the other day. From McGilvy, and I I grew up there at that on near that battlefield, so that was kind of exciting for me. And uh, what else did I get? We got a nice GMT gift certificate, Jason and I both, from a very <laughs> kind listener who uh, doesn't doesn't really participate as much in the guild stuff, but is a guy who just kind of likes to listen. And I, I guess for some generous. people, for some people, that's their experience. You know, they just kind of like to to hear us talk about it or kind of experience it that way, and that's cool too. So, though we're yeah. big proponents of playing. You got to play, but I mean, like mm-hmm. for some guys, they just prefer to listen. So, I mean, I think with Vassal and everything now, it's made it so much easier for you to get involved and actually play out the games yeah. with your opponent. So, even just to sit in on some of the games other people are playing is. <clears throat> I know you shit talk it, Dave, but it's still, it's still fun. Like Scott, do you uh, did you do a lot of playing before you actually ran into Kyle, or were you kind of just like a solo guy? Doing stuff like that. No, so I've uh, I've got a war gamer harem. Um, <laughs> man, oh, so, Kyle! Kyle's crying oh, now. Man, that, Kyle <laughs> thought he was the only one. Oh no, no, no! He's 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 that he's the best. He's he's the best. So he's the number one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say that to all the girls. I, I do. I do. Uh, so there's there's probably three or four guys that that I'll get together with. Uh, my schedule is so wonky. Um, Kyle and and, and uh, Kyle works the weekends mostly. Um, so when I have days off during the week is when we've been getting together, and that's pretty. Oh, so you guys are probably a good fit for that reason. If nothing yeah, else, that absolutely. Your schedules are... absolutely. It's it's yeah, it's so much easier, you know. Because your wife might be at work or something. Exactly. Exactly. You're like, hell, I'm just here all alone in the house. Let me, I let me uh, booty call Kyle right that, now. That's right. That's right. I got him on. I got him on standby. <laughs> got to turn on that red light. So Scott, um, there is this thing that that some hosts do. It's not mandatory. Uh, it's a quiz. You know, I mean, you don't have to do it. But yeah. I just want to oh no, on. let's do it. Let's do it. But okay, uh, there you go. I will warn you that I am no Rex Gator. And after listening to that last podcast, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> That dude, he set that bar high. That dude is a savant. Yeah, I think though that uh, Braxton is getting nicer as he gets older. <laughs> so <laughs> the quizzes, I think, are lightening up a little. It bit. almost seemed like there was some collusion again. I mean, that was just out of control. We might just be running out of hard questions. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right, give me, give me, give me thirteen <laughs> seconds. I'm gonna grab another beer. All right, Scott. What I would like to see is eventually the the questions come back around. And then it's, you know, how well did you listen in the past and retain that knowledge? Well, I think that's going to happen because we're just not it's creative have enough. To. We're not creative enough to come up with that. Yeah, there's not that much history. Yeah, you know, a, lot a few of, thousand years of human history. This one is very U.S. oriented, which I think will probably help Scott. Probably. I think there's a little more. I think he's. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Jason, I thought that I love the GMT gift certificate. Now I just have to figure out what I want to buy. I almost, and, what I did was I kicked MBT off my pre-order list so I could buy it with the gift mm-hmm. certificate. Oh, right on. Yeah, and that's coming up pretty quickly. I'm back. And that's I can't like decide between. Move. I can't decide between Normandy 44 and Enemy Coast Ahead. Well, I think it's pretty stupid that you can't use a gift certificate on a pre-order. <laughs> that's, that's so weird. It should just be credit. It's fucking money, dude. I mean, it's, they basically yeah. have already paid you for it. So, or not me. I mean, our generous listener who did that. that I'm exactly. 
And, and nice. Scott, um, while we're not saying that sending us gift certificates at the end of the year is a AAC tradition, um, we're not saying we wouldn't have a problem with it becoming a tradition. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, understood. There's there's one thing I've, I'm I'm pretty good at reading between the lines. Send us a gift certificate, Scott, at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel compelled to send them gift certificates. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so uh, we're going to get this quiz on. Uh, it's it's a uh, four question quiz. So hilariously, bonus is becoming larger and larger. Now bonus is the last five question answers. So there's 15 questions and then five bonus questions. And Jason, what what's special about the bonus questions? They're just the same as everything else. <laughs> that's, oh, that's that's special. <laughs> they're they're worth exactly the same amount. But of if you didn't answer them, the, you could only get a maximum of 15 points. That's right. Yep. And Rex had what, like 700 points or something? Don't let Rex get in your head. Don't worry about Rex. <laughs> it's about Scott. Let's let Scott be Scott. Okay? All right, let's do it. All right. Number one, for each listed military or political persona, you have to name what war or battle they are most known to be associated with. So I'm going to name a military or political persona, and you are going to tell me what war or battle they're associated with. Matthew Ridgway. Oh, that sounds like a Civil War guy. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. The Korean War. The Korean Civil War. I guess I didn't delve further. Uh -huh. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> uh, Georgie, Georgie, I don't know how to pronounce it. Zukov. 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 Napoleonic War with Russia. War. Napoleon versus Russia. So you're betting that Georgi Zhukov is Russian. That's I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Zhukov being Russian. Yes, we've got him being associated with the Battle of Stalingrad, which oh could be arguable, God. but well, definitely World War II. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. You're doing uh, yes, awesome. absolutely. Theodore Roosevelt, what battle? Uh, San Juan Hill. Bingo! Got it. Hey, this podcast is not going to be deleted, folks. You're going to All listen right. to it. It's not a zero. <laughs> we can continue. Otto von Bismarck, what war? Franco-Prussian War. You're right, and this could have been controversial also, because probably the, the War of 1866 we would have accepted also. Hal Moore. Hal Moore. Vietnam. What battle? Oh, oh my God! What is that? Is that Yatrang? Yeah, that's a campaign. What was the name of the battle? What's the what's the what did he say? Let me hear it. I said Yatrang. Oh. Yeah, that's probably it, right? I don't know how to help pronounce it. It's is that Yadrang? 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 Yeah, Yadrang. Yadrang Jensen Jensen. You could have just said like Yadrang Jensen Jensen. Yeah. All right. Sets to L Z X ray would also be accepted. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Good job. You're three out of eight. Also, we were soldiers would would have been accepted. The Battle of We Were Soldiers. <laughs> Mel Gibson. <laughs> that's that's right. That was, oh, yeah, you're like I'm not an idiot. That was fucking Mel Gibson's battle. Uh, <laughs> I 
Okay, question number two. Name five out of the eight U.S. Navy battleships that were sunk or damaged during the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, Arizona. So I think we've had this one. Uh, Arizona. My just, just let him answer the question. And Scott, by the way, you're not pressing your, your click to talk. I about. realize that. My, 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 mother's <laughs> uncle, my mother's uncle was on the Arizona. That was kind of cool. So Arizona is the one. Uh, what else? My God, was there eight battleships sunk in Pearl Harbor? According to Braxton, yes, there were. Hmm. Let's see. I know. Uh, oh, you're killing me. This is World War II naval. It's kind of like my wheelhouse. I've had too much beer, apparently. <laughs> well, they didn't see much action, so so they're not featured yeah. in, in very many and, games. I would and, notice. And you've got probably forty-seven possible choices of names for the battleships. So. One of 47 possible <laughs> choices. <clears throat> I, th I thought the rule was no hints. I don't know. Was, is that even a hint? I don't know if that's even a hint. What was BB-47? Well, if I got so, it, it was a right, hint. So, uh, uh, Nevada in West Virginia. Yes and yes. Uh... Was the Marand? That, that is not, that is a Ralph answer, which we no longer accept. Okay. We need an okay. affirmative. The Maryland. Answer. You are correct. Correct. And that's forty-six. If I could remember what forty-seven was, I'd be in business. Just need one more. So yeah, you've named four, Just and there's only forty-eight states, I think, at this point. <laughs> uh, did, did I already say the Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's usually the first one that people would get. Yeah. Since it's still there. It's, it's it, literally still it, there. It is. Oh. <sighs> was Pennsylvania damaged or sunk? That was, that was Kimmel's flagship. I'll go with Pennsylvania. You are correct. He aced it. Yeah, five very nice. What else? I, I can't think. The, the, well, you got, a, you got all the ones you needed. The other answers were Oklahoma, California, and Tennessee. Ah. All right, so now we're on to question number three because there's people that are waiting in their, their parking lots outside their offices. Uh, Reeves is right now chewing on their staring fingernails. at his dog waiting for it to take a shit on, on a corner, so we got to get going. <laughs> Uh, name name five Confederate generals who were infantry division commanders at the Battle of Gettysburg. Five Confederate generals, division commanders of infantry divisions at Gettysburg. Scott, I feel like you're going to be good at this. This is going to be, you're going to nail this. Not sure if Scott's pressing his click to talk button or he's had a card attack. No, I am. I am. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Longstreet? 
Um, so that, is that your first guess, Longstreet? Longstreet, Jackson. Because you're, you're well, definitely Ralph. No, you're definitely Ralphing these questions. I'm sorry. What, what does that mean? <laughs> oh no. Okay. Right. Okay. Long Street. Long, long Street. Long Street. <laughs> no, I was just throwing right. that out there. That wasn't my answer. All right. Long so your Street. Guess is, I was just think Long, Street, guess is long Street. Okay, hold on. I'm going to caution you. Long Street is a core commander. I don't know what that means. Okay, well then, those are two wrong answers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll give you credit for both of them. <laughs> both of those guys are core commanders. So core commanders inside their core have divisions, and we're talking, we're asking for the division. So you're a cut too high. Yeah. All right. The other one is uh, who's the other? Anna Stewart other, uh, was a cavalry commander, so that's no yeah. Good. We want right. We want infantry division commanders. God, I'm trying to remember who the fuck the other uh, the other core commander was. Yule. Right. Yeah, that might be right. That sounds right. He had like didn't he have like one leg at this point or something? He lost his leg or I think so. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these, my killer a lot angels of these guys back are missing limbs at this point. So <laughs> how about uh Pickett? Um good call. Pickett. But again, I'm not gonna remind you again, Scott. Uh, you gotta right, tell right. me what your answer is. Well that's not <laughs> so, so Pickett Pick, Pick is good. good. And oh gosh, yeah, it's, it's that's that's your way of speaking. If it was a Missourian, they'd be like, "I'm thinking it would be Jubal Early <laughs> and the like, <laughs> and the like, Jubal Early, John Bell Hood, and the like." <laughs> I'm like, and the like, what the fuck does that mean? All right, let's go with Jubal Early and John Bell Hood. <laughs> I am the worst. I was I, I was thinking was the question over? No, it's not it's not Jubal Early. That's the wrong answer. You uh, can't use that answer. And I already had Hood. Uh, but I, I don't know hood, if that's right or not. Um, you have Hood and Pickett. Those are both. Yeah, right. that's about all I got. Civil War's not in my wheelhouse. Oh geez, I'm gonna hear about it on this one. Fuck. I uh, know. And that's Kyle's big thing too, so I'm gonna have to make up something. Uh, yeah, just uh, Jason, make sure you edit that out too on the the podcast. We're gonna need, we'll, to, we'll gonna need to cut that we'll out. Do. Okay. Now we're into the bonus. So um, basically, you got three right, five right. You're you're at a strong eleven out of fifteen. Well, that's not too bad. Or it doesn't no, no, sound no. bad anyway. It could be bad. And te technically, you're at ten out of fifteen, and I have one out of fifteen for you. But I gave you an answer. Uh, <laughs> well, that's because you're a nice guy. So this is bonus question. It's uh, these these questions count for absolutely the same amount as every other question, but they're bonus. Uh, name five battles of the third, fourth, and fifth coalition between eighteen o three and eighteen o nine that Napoleon Bonaparte between eighteen o three and eighteen o nine, where Napoleon was personally in command. Five battles. Oh. Begin. <sighs> I got nothing on this. Uh, Vagram, Aspirin Essling. Okay, um, both of those are Ralph type answers. I'm assuming now. Vagram, should I just should I just treat those as if you're answering? <laughs> both of those are correct. Hey. We need three more where Napoleon was in command. Three more. Gosh. 
There's some famous ones in there. Uh, but Wagram and Aspirin Essling aren't famous. That's about the only there's, two there's, I know. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> but there's, there's maybe more famous ones. More famous. Uh, Waterloo? No, that's that's too late. Yeah, we're talking 1803 to 1803. Uh, Austerlitz? Aust that, Austerlitz. That's more what we were talking about. So that's three. Oh, am I am I coaching too much, Jason? I don't, I don't think so. No, no, you're good. You're good. Mr. Litz, I think, is the really like a big seminal victory for him. Yeah, that's all I got for you. Um, I yeah, I think I'm done there. The uh, the other choices were Jaina Auerstedt, which is I think another big battle. Oh, I knew that. Eilau. I knew that one. Fr Friedland. Never heard Lan of that. Lanshut. Never heard of that. And Ekmol. I've Ekmol. heard of Ekmol, but I've, there's no way I would have thought about that one. I, I could have, conceivably, I could have come up with Jana. So I'm counting. How come no one pronounces that word the same? Jana? Like, no, every, Jana? every, <laughs> yes, Jana? every person I hear say that word says it differently. Oh, well, Jason, don't fucking use my pronunciation as an example, believe me. <laughs> Because I, I would say Jenna. It could be Jenna. But I think it's Yenna. Yeah, it's probably mm -hmm. Yenna, but I would say yeah, Jenna. I don't know. I don't speak French. I either. spoke French for a little while. Yeah. Then I forgot everything. So so basically, Scott, you're saying you think it would be Yenna, but in defiance of that thought, you're going to say it's Jenna, Actually, just they, to be ornery. I would I would imagine it's pronounced Jenna. But who, so you're, so who you're saying the the proper way yeah, is probably yeah. this. So I'm going to pronounce it this other way. <laughs> That's I'm right. going to say it American. American. It's an American Jenna. <laughs> okay, so that was good. That was a good run. Uh, yeah, that was a good showing. Fourteen. I get. I got. I think fourteen out of twenty. That's that's correct. Mm -hmm. Good job. Yeah. Wow. I impressed myself. Wow. I, I I thought maybe one or two. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Scott, uh, what games are you currently playing with Kyle? You got you said Combat Commander. Aren't you guys playing some kind of Civil War game right now? Aren't you guys doing some Civil War gaming? Yeah, he uh, he's got uh, those are great campaigns of of the Civil War. Um, we did, uh, I think, the Cedar Mountain last week. Yeah, that game looks nice. That looks like a really it's attractive gorgeous. game. It's gorgeous. It's uh, was it uh, Kibler or Barber? One of those maps, and and whichever one of those guys did it is is amazing. Yeah, I think especially for Civil War games, I really need them to be like beautiful. That really gets me into the thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I like how it plays up the states, like where the units are from, like the state iconography is like prominent on the counters. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The counters are nice. And um, so he's got the old Victory Games Civil War, and I got the new one. So we're probably going to delve into that at some point. Yeah, that's fun. That's not. It's not too heavy. It's a good game. So uh, you, you, you got up. anything good on Peter Scott? Uh, so I've got Talon coming in. The space combat game. Yep, I'm on that one. And I've got uh, what else? So I've got the uh, the Band of Brothers stuff because, yeah, I've got a lot of World War II tactical, and I, I can't figure out which one is the one I want to play. And I've finally decided that the one I play is the perfect one. So I think uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we 
move more into ASL. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The only problem with ASL is that it is tough to get into because there is so much required as far as what you have to I know, own I know. To, to really, I mean, it's not, it's not a, a deal breaker, but it is like demoralizing to get like a third party product and then say, Hey, to, to play two thirds of these scenarios, you need the map boards from the following like eight games. Yeah. You know, yeah. anyway. Well, there's a, Five there's a game no store available. local here that um, the owner is big into ASL and he's, he's got, he's got like a dedicated section of his store for it. Um, and they do, I think it's called bitter end. Um, every, oh yeah, sure. Every year that's, you know, some kind of sure, convention. Um, so I think, I think every Monday there's a, there's a group of guys that goes over there and does it. So I'm, I'm hoping to, to get into it, but certainly starter kit and I've got decision of else. So my, my plan, That's good. Yeah, my plan is, uh, you know, we'll do a couple of battles with the starter kits and then we'll go into else and see where it takes us. Yeah. So the nice thing is like though MMP does offer all the maps available for sale. So you can buy every map that's out there without the games. Oh, I didn't realize they that. A separate package. I mean, it, it's not cheap. I want to say it's like 200 something yeah, dollars, I but they'll that. sell you. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why your mind had frozen up when you saw the price. But yeah, you, you can't get, but then the other thing is it's all on Vassal. So you get any map board you want on Vassal. And I think you can get them where you can uh, do winterize them for winter, winter games. I think there's winterize. That's neat. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, that's of, cool. There's a lot of options available on Vassal. So, and it, to be honest, ASL is much more fun. I think on Vassal because the stacking is not as big an issue, and you know, it's it's just easier to handle everything. But the best thing is like when you get something like Elst, it's great because it gives you the map you need, everything you need in the box. Yeah, I like that historical and the rules. stuff. You know, I, I, I know you've mentioned it. You know, but versus the generic nature of say combat commander you know I, I like that historical stuff too yeah and else is interesting because there's a bunch of challenges but since it is geared towards starter kit you don't have to worry about like two-story buildings and and stuff like that i mean it is the map is pretty uh basic but it gives you everything you need to play like with mortars and artillery and tanks so as opposed to starter kit one which is just i, I guess it's just going to be infantry so, but yeah, we've also got Reeves into it too now. So he's literally setting up on his floor. And, uh, the whole... <laughs> and the good thing about Dave, you were talking about the, the maps being in Vassal, you can pull those images out. <clears throat> so if you wanted to play on paper, I'm not sure if people are supposed to know that, but you can break those mods open <clears throat> and get to the images inside. Oh, great. So now their MMP is probably going to go and uh, shut that down. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for running for everybody. Maybe we'll take that out. So Scott, so that's the big thing Then you're kind of uh, getting into the ASL. That's going to be one of the big pushes for you. Yeah, finally. I had the rules and when they, when they first came out, but I never did anything with it. And uh, I just picked them up a couple of months ago. Uh, got a pretty, pretty good deal on a, on a uh, auction on BGG, and uh, you know that combined with the starter kit stuff, and now that Beyond Valor's available again, um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and if you play the same side a lot, like when Pete and I play, I tend to play Russians, which is weird because that's not normally what I would play. But uh, 
then I don't have to worry about deploying squads because Russians can't do that. I don't have smoke as often. So you get kind of used to playing that one side. It helps you, I think, learn the rules. Yeah, that's pretty a little cool. Bit that reminds me it's time for vodka. There we go. How about you, Jason? What do you got? What's coming up for you for pre-order? And don't say Fields of Fire. Um, I don't we think all I... Fields of Fire on pre-order. <laughs> the entire world has that game on pre-order. Nothing new for me. I think, I think I'm going to add Poland to my list. Mitch's Mitch's Poland game, but I don't have anything scheduled to ship to me. I think until like did, did you get India Pakistan? So I didn't. I meant to. He to, he told me I should get in on it. I have gift um, certificate. Gift certificate time. Have Korea. <laughs> um, I I have Korea. I have Korea. I have. I don't know. I have. I think I have both of the first two actually. Um, I don't know that. And he he told me that India Pakistan's probably more up my alley, but Poland looks really good. But that's still probably quite a ways out. Yeah, nothing nothing upcoming for me. I assume you're going to get a copy of Silver Bayonet because you're a playtester. Yeah, I that hope, reminds I me so. that I need to get, that, like get that. on that one too. That one looks really. Oh good. yeah, we're play we're playtesting Rafa and I right now. We're playtesting the shit out of that game, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So, really good. Yeah, it's like. It, it yeah, it was it, it was a little rough around the edges to start with, but it's it's really shit. Well, and I now. think it's, the thing that you know when I was talking to really Mitch good. about it, and I don't think I'm speaking out of school, but when, it, when it, it, the the idea is more like, hey, let's build something that's that's a universal Vietnam system that you can then take and and do all these <clears> different <throat> campaigns. It won't be just. Uh, the silver bayonet campaign it'll be you know a system that where you can plug in other campaigns so let's work on the rules now and make sure that they work not just their their uh whatever 65 specific you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah i was as we were playing it i was thinking man this system would port right over to something like way i mean it would just and 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 if it gets there, I'll, I will be very. Yeah, excited. Ralph and I right now we're playtesting a scenario, which is one of the scenarios that initially was in Silver Bayonet, the original one, and it's crazy because it's no fun, I think, as the way it was originally established. But it's basically where it, it's the one that the campaign game that uh, practices the hidden movement system, where basically the VC is fleeing mm -hmm. or the Pavan is fleeing, and the uh, basically the US is in full hunt mode. You know, dogs baying, hornets uh, like horns, horns blaring, trying to run them all down before they can get to Cambodia. But I mean, we're playing these games and we're playtesting the shit out of them. So the idea is that when we're playing them, we're like, well, where's the threat for the U.S. because all the VC units are weak. So basically, they always know they're going to be able to kill what they catch. So then we start throwing in stronger units into the mix, giving them more hidden markers, and just kind of modifying the scenarios. Because after a while, I I told told uh, uh, Mitch, I'm like, why would a, a Pavin player want to play this scenario? Because basically he's just running and he has no chance to ever give the U.S. a bloody nose, you know, because basically every U, every uh, Pavin unit in the game is uh, reduced to one step. There's no full, there was no full That's strength units. So, so it's good. So we are running the game through its paces. And I think there's a bunch of playtesters yeah, that are working on it. So it should be really good when it comes out. It's going to be, yeah, it's shining. And again, it's gorgeous. So it does look a lot beautiful. of fun. So um, I got what do I have on pre-order? I'm trying to think. I think I'm going to put. I just got Dresden from uh, Clash of Arms. 
my Labatai game. I think I'm going to put, I, I, I'm hesitant to pronounce it, is it Ligny or Liney? They're redoing that one with the new graphics. So I might also put that on pre-order. Otherwise, I have Dauntless. I have Talon also. Um, yeah, I had I have of course, Dauntless I feel too. Fired. I forgot that one. Oh, you do? Okay, oh, yeah. I was wondering why that wasn't on yeah, the list. No, it, but, uh, it's there. That's I've awesome. got Dauntless. What else? What the fuck else do I have? I, at, at any cost, Mets, which is a uh, Franco-Prussian war game. I've got that on pre-order through GMT. And so I have Yanks, Yanks on pre-order through MMP. And I pre-ordered uh, Operation Mercury. The landings on Crete. Oh, right on for the GTS system because for me that's kind of a more mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a mouthful, right? So I can handle that as opposed to the monster D Day game where I was like, you couldn't make that into right. like three games. Like really, it had to be one giant like hundred and eighty dollar game. That could have you know that could have easily been two or three MMP games. I didn't understand why they had to package it all in one gigantic like full load of jizz that you're supposed to buy. So <laughs> they do that a lot. And I, I just don't understand it. I mean, he could have absolutely divided it up among the beaches or tried to make it. You know, I, I just thought that was too much. So, but yeah, so operation Mercury, I saw it. I was like, okay, that, that seems cool. And Crete, I love that. So hey, played any of the, um, well, have you played the older Avalon Hill, uh, air assault on Crete? No, the only one I've done is did the uh, uh, what is the the game? They did the there was a Russia one and there was a North Africa one, but there's also a Crete part of it. Shit, what the fuck is that game? I can't remember the name of it, but it's a I, it's a recent it's a recent game made last year, I think. No retreat. Is that the game? No retreat. Oh, uh, Carl Parodies. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. So they've got. Uh, Russia and like North Africa. Yeah, so the the North Africa game came with a, a Crete. It did. Something. Yeah, yeah. That that's sad. So, I have that. And I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually cool that because suck. It, it's a sub game, but you can do the North Africa game and stop, and then play the the mini game for Crete, and let the result of that decide for the North Africa campaign. So I thought that was kind of neat, but. But yeah, so to answer your question, that's the only game I played, but I still think it's very cool. I think paratroopers are very cool. Ever since the first time I saw an 82nd Airborne guy in Class A's with his fucking pants blast into his boots, I've always been a fan of paratroopers. Yes, so indeed. I think that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I always thought that was so cool that they're only guys. They were the only guys allowed to blast their Class yeah. A's into their boots. Were they really allowed to, or did they just do it? Well. And now, Jesus, every motherfucker's wearing berets, so I don't know. If yeah, they yeah. Have beret, I was going to say, that's how the berets well, yeah, are. I think too, when right? Candy approved the berets, he approved the blousing also. That's why when they went to the everybody gets a beret, I was like, what a bunch of fucking idiots. Are you yeah, kidding me? No, like, I, I hated wearing yeah. that stupid beret. They don't want the, the beret was kind of a, made you stand out. Like, hey, now everybody gets, why don't you let everybody wear a ranger tab? Like, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, so those are my pre-orders, basically. That's what I got going on. Okay, hey, so before I forget, let's talk about Star Wars. So yeah. if you haven't seen Star Wars, stop listening to the podcast right now. So because we're going to talk about Star Wars, okay? We don't want to spoil it for anybody. Well, I mean, don't don't stop. Just skip ahead, like right. 
five minutes. Or stop, because if you haven't seen Star Wars yet... <laughs> yeah, you've already like, downloaded okay, it. Yeah, what the fuck? What's your problem? Go see go, the movie. Go see it in that. What are you, no. shut in? So we went to see the movie. I took my kids because I thought, it, you know, they should see it. I was a little worried about the movie. Uh, and I got to say, it's sad in America these days, but I go to take my kids to a movie, and I'm around like... Which guy is most likely to cause a mass massacre? Oh, incident? I'm just like, saying. I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. like checking out the crowd. I think about that I'm too. trying to get in the back. Yeah. I'm looking at the. I'm like, are the exit doors completely shut? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally yeah, Which one of these motherfuckers like, do I have to kill first? Scope it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, can I get over these seats and take someone out? I'm like, I will throw all these skittles right in your face to blind <laughs> you and then run it. Yeah. And what is it? Is it AMC? They don't, they don't help with their little pre-movie thing with the little red dots. You know, if you see a suspicious person, it's crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I don't. So, uh, I I I, I want to say that I I watched the movie, and I'm going to give a. I think maybe let's give general impressions first, and then we can talk about specific things. I obviously thought it was very f- similar to the original Star Wars movie, uh, which I guess is Episode Four, as far as the pattern. Obviously, there were a lot of callbacks to that movie, and they really wanted to like kind of uh, touch base with the original roots of the series because basically the plot is very similar. I think. Yeah, that's isn't, uh, isn't that like Abrams calls yeah. reasonably just kind of revisits everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he does. So I, I he's a reference engine. Kind of left, and I'm kind of giving it like a six out of ten. What? My wife liked it more. I fucking My wife it. liked it more. <laughs> did you fucking love oh, this? Is gonna be a conversation. Jason, what did you give the movie? Uh, I, I would give it an eight. I, I I liked it, but to me, like I've I've unclenched enough on my fan fanboyness. Like I used to be so Star Wars. I read all the books. I would make my own lightsabers. Like I was that nice like, uber nerd guy. And I've I've let that go and kind of just like went thinking, okay, this is going to be a movie. I'm not gonna let it break my heart. I'm just gonna go have fun with JJ directing it. I kind of know what to expect, and it it exceeded my expectations. I really didn't think it would be very good at all. I mean, from a from um, a filming point of view, he basically made like a Transformers type movie, like as far as camera shots. And, what do you mean? Like the 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 film. Filmography of the movie was very typical big scale Hollywood film. Guy running across the, uh, the battlefield, no, as they're taking her, and then it zooms on his face as he's like, no, like, oh, what a typical fucking shot. Or when she's explaining the force to them, she's like, the force is a thing that, and it slowly zooms into Ray's face. She's like, oh my God, and then it slowly zooms into the Stormtrooper guy's face. And I'm like, I'm like, oh God, these are the same shots you've done in like every movie you've ever made. <laughs> it's, it's his style. So, so do you critique every movie in, in, in like the, the filmography of it, or you just do you expe- no, do you try to I'll experience? Honest, I think I was harder. I, I, probably harder on this movie. I'll be honest. That's understandable. J- just for the record, let's say cinematography. Okay, let's do. Let's, let's say cinematography. Is it not filmography? <laughs> <laughs> no, filmography is like their body of work. <laughs> That's. So JJ's yeah. filmography would include like you know the the ET on a train movie the the Godzilla movie um, I I, I don't know, the, have a degree are, he did I don't Star Trek too right yeah that's true yeah yeah 
the Star Trek. And, and, you know, as shitty as those were, I I, I, those I almost too. went to film school. So, yeah, yeah, I did too. I really like those both of those movies. Okay, so so let me ask you guys: Were there any moments in the movie where you guys said, "That's fucking stupid. That would never happen"? Oh, plenty, plenty. Give give, give um, me a couple a lot of those. Of like, give me a couple of those. Well, even just Han capturing the Millennium Falcon like five minutes yeah. after oh, oh, it takes it off, <laughs> and him not knowing where it is, stuff like that is like. Uh, My biggest problem was, but you know, um, when it's when it's space opera, you can always just just like with fantasy, with the wizard did it, like oh, it's the no, force, okay, it's all I'm just okay making it the, happen. I'm okay with the odds of things happening. That's fine. My biggest problem was was Finn's transformation from you know stormtrooper to. God, I don't want to do this anymore. This really sucks. <laughs> He's got a little blood yeah. on his uniform. I was like, and come on, out. guy. You know, I, I would have preferred a little more backstory to that. Okay, so then let me bring up my my points. Yeah, These I want to hear your and I almost wish that I'd had like a, a notebook where I could like if I'd had Jason's little uh, gaming games I played journal that I could write in. <laughs> I needed that right then to write that. I keep it in my back like, pocket. I need to write shit down. Okay, so. I'm I'm not going to do it in chronological stuff. Maybe in bigger to lesser things. So let me start with the first thing. So the stormtrooper basically says, "I don't want to be a stormtrooper anymore. I'm going to join the rebellion." Right. So he's at the rebellion base, and uh, they're they're basically planning how they're going to do the big attack on this star killer planet. Right. So. As opposed to the early movies where basically the, the fringe characters walk in and they're, they're already set up and they're like, okay, here's what we need you to do. You're going to do this. This is going to be your part. You're going to be flying with these guys. They're like, got it. Instead, there's like this powwow that happens around a campfire as they're looking at the map of the, the attack or attack planet killer planet. And they're like, oh, well, we could destroy this part of it. Oh, that'd be great. But what about the shields? And then another guy says, but we could take the shields down. Oh, that'd be, I'm like, is this really how a Naval Operations Center comes up with a fucking plan? They get in a circle <laughs> around a fucking map and each guy makes a suggestion. Then they go, at the end, they're like, let's go. And they all run off and launch the attack. Yeah, that was Plus, pretty weak. <laughs> the dude at your fucking meeting was a stormtrooper a fucking week ago and you have him sitting in your operations center coming up with the plan. And by the way, he's the guy that says hey i can knock down the shields and he was lying about it he doesn't even know how to knock down the shields yeah that was weak it was weak i'll, I'll go with and that. and and he doesn't not know how to knock down the shields of course he no one thinks for a second hey this guy could actually be like a double agent <laughs> he's basically mm -hmm. we're, right. we're gonna let this guy who was a stormtrooper a week ago into our naval operations center to come up with this plan he's not only going to come up with the most critical part of the plan which by the way if if his part doesn't succeed everyone's going to die because the, because the shields fails, aren't right. going to be down but it turns out that he is lying not because he's evil but because he's a complete fucking idiot and wants to save ray at, at some point where they're like well, let's take down the shields. And he's like, oh, I actually don't know how to take down the shields. I'm from like the janitor section. At that point, Han Solo should basically fucking kill the guy. Be like, sorry, you're going <laughs> to die at this point because you basically just killed us all. You know. So that was my first thing. My question was, if he was a janitor, what was he doing on that on that mission? Well, I, yeah. and, I like, think, and, and I'm, <laughs> not a, I'm not a Star Wars hater. Here's my philosophy. The stormtroopers are like the Marines. Everyone's right. 
movement. So with mm, mission, you roll. Like if you're on the Death Star, you might be running the janitor services, or you might be running desk access or key control officer. But when it comes to running a mission, you get a, you grab a blaster rifle and you go out on the mission, right? Gotcha. Scott, do you think that's fair? I do. I do. I'm distracted at the moment. My wife just rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> you have to... Oh, you have, you have yeah. to do this in a, in a secluded room. You, you have to explain well, no, her. I'm, 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 in, I'm in the spare room. She opened the door and she looked and she, she just like, oh. <laughs> mm, scoffed. Yeah. You are it. getting some tonight, buddy. You're going to get lucky. I have a feeling. <laughs> you are internet yeah. famous. So, so that was my first thing where I was like, why is the stormtrooper in on the planning session? You don't even know this guy. Second, in the beginning of the movie, they're like, okay, we've detected that this spy is down on this planet and he's trying to get something. So we're going to send in an assault force, right? This is the, the first scene where the guy's down there with the, uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> The, 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 the one, the, yeah, the guys with the old guy. It's the, oh, Poe Dameron. Yeah, Poe is the best pilot, and, and, and he's got his X-Wing fighter or whatever. So they're like, okay, we got to take them out. So, okay, let's attack. Let's send like three squads of stormtroopers mm, from the yeah, start. Okay, uh, three squads. All right, maybe like a platoon. Do they land in the village? No. They land, they come down from like a mile away. And the dude has like his little cider things on. He's like, oh, I see him coming. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Everyone sees him coming. They have their fucking high beams on. Like, why does the, why does the, why do the Imperials have their headlights on as they're coming into attack? So they come in. Poe runs. And he's got his X-Wing fighter there. They don't say, hey, maybe we should bombard the fighter and destroy it. Like, maybe, okay, maybe they're trying to get surprised. So they figure we aren't going to bombard. We'll come in and try to, like, do a snatch and grab on Poe. Poe runs to his X-Wing, gets in it, and what does he do, Jason, in the X-Wing? What does he do with the weaponry of the X-Wing? You tell me. He, he gets the turret gun on the bottom of it and turns <laughs> it and starts fucking up all the stormtroopers. He is, like, blasting them. They're, like, flying in the air, like, everywhere. They're dying. So a shot hits the X-Wing and, like, does something to the engine so he can't get away. So he's shooting with the gun, and then this fucking idiot gets out of his X-Wing and starts using his little gun. They're like, pew, pew. I'm like, dude, you were just killing all the stormtroopers. Like, why would you get out of that? Like, that was that was killing everyone. So I had to go fix his damage. He went and looked at it, and then he got behind like a sand dune <laughs> and started shooting them with his stupid little rifle. All right, so that annoyed me too. And uh a couple other things real quick. Uh, so the, the, the Imperial war planners or the first order war planners, they're like, hey, uh, we've gone back to the drawing board. We've come up with some great new strategies on how we're going to beat the uh, Republic and the Rebellion. We really think you guys Let's are going to be really excited. Weapon. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> you're, so, Jason, you're like the emperor, right? They're like, we're going to brief you. We've got some great new ideas. We really think you're going to be excited about this. So... Uh, all right, let's let's get some some fresh blood in here. Let's get some new ideas that's outside right, the that's box. Right. What do you what do you what do you got? What so you let's got? we're gonna. I don't want to ruin it for you, but we're gonna pull the, the the hood off this giant round model we have for what we're gonna develop. Hmm. We're thinking Death Star, so, but much bigger Death Star. So when are they okay, gonna so realize the, they the, just the thing that fell twice need before? to drop a big rock on a planet would work just as well. 
Yeah, and before mm. you get upset about the Death Star, I'm going to ask you not to imagine how many Star Destroyers we could have built for the cost of this one giant Death Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but, it has one one major point of weakness? Is that Yeah, let's, let's go right. with this plan. That's right. There, we okay. did, of course, according to Imperial Protocol, install a trench in the Death Star <laughs> that will okay, allow... Okay. F- and, and while we put anti-aircraft guns in, in Enough there, room for fighters to get through, right. right? And while we put anti-aircraft okay. weapons in there... We do not put like a cable or a net oh, or any sure. kind of beam that may prevent. No, that would just get in the way in case from, you know maintenance reasons. Right, because who knows when we might need a maintenance fighter to fly the entire length of the <laughs> trench and not be damaged. <laughs> but yeah, so that's in there too. Mm. And the, the final thing that bugged me was uh, when at the at, in the kind of mid movie they have this whole big. Uh, Third Reich scene where the general... yeah that was kind of weird it was hey, completely was, out of place that was so creepy yeah and by the way I thought he was way over his head acting wise I, I want them to go back to the old English guys that used to be the imperial officers I mean those guys had like the gravitas to kind of pull off these scenes yeah this now guy he was, was like screaming so he was good like ex machina I, I, I like that movie that was pretty good I just felt like the role was a little bit over his head as far as yeah uh, he was way too young he right, he's, exactly like how he looked like a general. Kid. So he's basically screaming all this stuff, and then they fired, like, basically now they've got, like, a Death Star shotgun that can fire, like, five Death Star shots at, like, four or five different planets. And I just really wanted, they zoomed to the scene where, like, the people on the Republic planets are like, oh, what's happening? I wanted one of them to say, like, yeah, I guess we probably should have seen this coming. You know, like, like, like honestly, like, come we on. let them build a planet weapon. <laughs> they've done it. They've done it twice already, and now they <laughs> built an even bigger one. Like, this sucks. I don't think anybody. The, the guy should be like, "Hey, look, I was telling you guys on Facebook like two months ago that this is going to happen, <laughs> <laughs> and you guys called me a, a psycho." <laughs> so that's I'll, funny. I'll tell you. I'll tell you my experience. So we, Tony and I, went to the uh, the marathon thing. So it was like twenty hours of Star Wars. See, that's cool. It was. Now, are you talking it, all the movies? It was all of them. Um, in in in. Um, what order did they go? It was episode one, two, three, and and. and mm, uh, that's so. the wrong order. Yeah. Did you show up? Did you show up six hours late for it? <laughs> I thought about it. So you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, what did I do? Why why did I agree to do this? Twenty hours in a damn movie theater. Um, but it was really it was really cool. So everybody in there was was a huge Star Wars fan. And every time something happened, like, you know, the first time you see the Falcon, you know, it's, it's like everybody's like, whoa, yeah, and screaming and hollering and cheering. And uh, like when Poe comes in and, and, and disrupts uh, the first attack on that, that planet, you know, and, and you see his black X-Wing, there's a guy in the back that he just goes, what? <laughs> you know, and it was, it was really cool. And I, then I don't I don't understand what he was saying. What's what was he uh, saying? just like the, the excitement of it, you know, seeing this this X wing swing down. He's like, oh my god, you know that kind of stuff. So this was basically like his first sexual experience. Uh, it sounded excellent. It really did. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I wasn't wearing a raincoat. <laughs> so then we had the <laughs> so then we had the poor kid that that um, he passed out. You know so. There, there's it started off you hear this like really light snoring oh, i forgot about that yeah so you hear this really light snoring and then it gets louder and louder and louder progressively and it's going on for five minutes and at first you know people are like giggling and then there was abject silence in the theater and and you hear this snoring 
And you're like, oh man, somebody fell asleep. It's terrible. Is it, and now is this during the movie? Yeah, it's during um, maybe one, two, three, probably episode, episode two, right? episode three, I think. Mm-hmm. It's uh, seven o'clock. So everyone's like, well, maybe it's for the best. <laughs> yeah, now. yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> six. But somebody wake him up morning. for four. He, he needs to wake up for four. <laughs> yeah, it's like six or seven in the morning, and then all of a sudden somebody somebody goes, "Is there a doctor in the house?" <laughs> That's crazy. <clears throat> I know the lights the lights come on, and there's this poor kid. It's it's uh, uh, I guess he's a diabetic, so hypoglycemia, uh, passed out. Ambulance came in, and um, interestingly enough, I, I probably shouldn't say this. Um, but I had I had not called out sick, but I played the cancer card mm. uh, to get that to, to get that day off. I told my <laughs> the cancer I, I told card. my boss, yeah. So so I had I had colon cancer a couple of years ago, and and uh, I'm in my fourth year, so everything's everything's mm. cool now. Anyway, so I told my boss I had a uh, we were we were going on vacation the next week, and I had I'd taken like seven or eight, and I had forgotten that this was coming up. So I couldn't put in a time off request because the the deadline had passed. So I, I told my boss, I was like, "Oh, I have a uh, I have a cat scan that day." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, we're going to need that. Awesome. <laughs> so so of course, but seven you, but o'clock in the morning, it's my shift. Scott, let's just say, for all we know, you did have a cat scan. I did. As a matter of fact, I left the theater. That's right. I left the theater and went to the cat scan. That's right. Good man. And, okay. Then you came right, right. back. Okay. So seven o'clock in the so morning. So what is hypoglycemia? Is that where he's gonna like he's having some kind of sugar thing? Or? Yeah. So uh, his glucose level dropped too low. His brain's not working, and he's comatose. Easily fixable under normal circumstances. So seven o'clock in the morning, and the ambulance crew that comes in is my shift. It's my guys. I'm their damn supervisor. Oh. And I'm hiding the back of the theater. You're like scooted down in your chair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hiding in the back of the theater until they leave. I felt so terrible. (laughs) That's outstanding. But then you're like, I'm going to evaluate. And then I went to my CT. You could say, say, I was just here to see how you guys handle these incidents. Like, I'm here, like, as a secret shopper. That's right, secret shopper. Nice. So, but yeah, the the, the whole experience was fun, um, you know, because because of the. Uh, the environment and right you're there with a the crowd yeah. that's enthusiastic yeah. so yeah. not skeptical and taking notes like me yeah, exactly like, exactly although I, I was i was surprised that there weren't a lot of people dressed up and then there really wasn't maybe a lot of you maybe mean a other, dozen other you scott are you saying other than you well i had clothes on um Thank goodness. But I, you were wearing like that I wrote. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. But there were there were maybe a dozen people in the theater that were dressed up. I think a lot of theaters kind of discouraged it a little bit. Well, they wouldn't allow uh, lightsabers or blasters in California. Yeah. So you couldn't have any of that stuff in the theater. So, but yeah, it is crazy how these nut jobs doing stuff has changed, like how you handle like premieres and where you're kind of like, Oh geez, good luck. Good luck on the premiere. Yeah. Like don't get killed. So don't get shot by a maniac. I think my only issue with the movie was the, the electricity blaster thing that the stormtrooper just happens to have to do the lightsaber fight with. I didn't understand that. Like, uh, is that a weapon yeah. we just haven't seen yet? He's all of a sudden like, 
like Jedi aren't a thing in in the universe right now, but he just happens to have what? the one first order or new order weapon that can fight with a lightsaber. I, I, no, I thought they were just trying to show that that was some kind of hand to hand weapon that the stormtroopers have, so that the stormtroopers are kind of badass. Mm, I see to make them look tougher, maybe. And then, just my this is a complaint going back to the original movies, and and it, it it's in this movie as well. Is the, the like I didn't know they were real thing. Like Episode One was, I don't know, sixty years ago at most. And episode four oh, oh, was like, like 30 years like ago. Jedi? And all of a sudden it's like, I didn't know they were real. I didn't know Jedis were a thing. I didn't know, the, you know, the four, like the Jedi just fell right. 30 years ago. How do you not believe that they were a thing? Right. But other than that, it, it also gets kind of old that everyone has to be related to everyone. Like they're like, who's raised? Yeah. Like, Jesus. It's like, it's the presidential election. Like you can't become president unless you're like George Bush's mm-hmm. son or like you're related to Bill or Hillary Clinton. It's like, everyone has to be like related to everyone else. I just can't. So are you, are you saying that the, the Bush family has high level of midichlorians? Is that, is that, That's right. Is that what's going only, on? only, only the Clintons and the Bushes have the force. David Icke is wrong. They're not rep- reptilians. They're they're force sensitive. But it's like this effort. Like it, it was the one thing that always annoyed me. And and I think, uh, and I think what I'm saying about the series is basically even this movie. I liked it for what it was. Um, it was a little bit predictable. Uh, I thought I actually, if I had to pick a sci-fi movie, I enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy much more. Oh yeah, I thought it was yeah. much more interesting. I thought the characters, though, I thought the plot line was for Guardians of the Galaxy was not that great. It's kind of like, hey, just everyone gets together and let's go kill the big guy. Uh, the characters were way more interesting. Um, I thought it was okay, so I did like it. I'm not a Star Wars hater. But it's more like I love the first movies. They were so great. They were so new, had so many great ideas that had never been done before on film uh, that it's frustrating to kind of see it kind of regurgitated in this version. So I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Scott, you didn't read it. Loved it. Good. Why did you love it so much? Like, Scott, what did you love about it? I don't know. You know, it, it kind of brought me back to 1977. <clears throat> right, because it was the same movie as Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, my dad brings me to it. I had no idea what it was. And I walked out of that, 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 that theater with, I don't know, 10-year-old, new outlook on life. It was kind of, you know, stupid. But um, like I said, the, the experience of the marathon, I think, I think had, had we just gone to see it in the theater by itself, um, I might not have liked it so much. Now, how does the marathon work? Do they give you like a break to go get lunch and stuff? Yeah, you get for the first, I think the first three films or the first two films, you got a 30 minute break. And then after the third film, you got an hour and a half. And then three minutes between the next two and then an hour and a half before the the big one. So, so yeah, that's cool. And, and I will say like my girls loved it. They really like the movie, and they've seen Clone Wars, the, the cartoon ones, and so they're all they all know all the Star Wars stuff. They're very into it. And in fact, it's funny because I went up one night to put them to bed, and they were doing a role playing game in their minds of Star Wars, like, like oh, so you go up to the bar, and what are you going to ask the guy? Like, but my my oldest was running like an RPG for my youngest with no rules, no wow. dice, just Star Wars. Nice. So I was like, your kids are the best. So, so 
Well, so then, of course, I'm like, hey, should we buy the uh, Fantasy Flight Games uh, role-playing game for Star Wars? can send it to you as a gift, and you wouldn't have to. Yeah. Well, then I'm also like, hey, uh, but of course, as a dad, I'm like, but maybe uh, I should have them watch Firefly because mm, I feel like yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to warp. I want to warp their perceptions of it. I'm like, I kind of like Firefly better than the Star Wars universe. And there so. are strong female characters in it, which is nice. Well, they yeah, they like Ray. They wanted to play Leia. They want to do all that stuff. And actually, you know, uh, like FFG has like a, or they have like a twenty five dollar again starter thing for for whatever their game is for force awakens or whatever they call it. So, uh, it's pretty cool. We'll see. I tried to get them to do it. I was like, I'm not spending my gaming dollars on that, but you guys have Amazon cards. And they're, they, when I actually made them want to spend their money, they were like, yeah, we'll pass. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see. They didn't want to spend their actual cash on it. So we'll see. Well, I don't know. We got I'm going to game on in February. Yeah, Neither of you I'm guys jealous. are going there, so I don't no. think we need to talk about that. Oh, I would love to do that. We can talk about it next month. What, what weekend is it? Yeah. It's going to be it's Super Bowl weekend, ironically. But, Only nerds can yeah. have a gaming convention on Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, okay, so, Scott, you have a game you want to talk about? Or, uh, Jason, you're going to be the last for sure because you're yeah, that's fine, and that's hanging, so. yeah. you can you can bring it up. Scott, do you have anything you want to talk about as far as game review? Uh, sure. So I'll, we're gonna I'm gonna take the Wayback Machine, and uh, I'm gonna talk about Second Fleet, um, which is the second game in the Fleet series, which was introduced in 1985. Uh, is Joe Balkowski, the amazing Joe Balkowski. And uh, this series of games uh, covers. And, and for the records, uh, Scott, if, if I'm not talking a lot during this, I have never played these games. I've never seen – I mean, I, I've seen them. I know what they are basically, but I have no – never played a single minute, any of them. So. Oh, okay. Well, have maybe so we'll maybe you'll learn something. Some. You can both learn something. So um, they, uh, they're about, a, the, I guess, a fictional – encounter between uh, NATO and the Warsaw Pact in the 80s. Uh, it's obviously a naval um, game. And this, this game's part of a series, right, where different games uh, occur in different regional areas? Yeah, so Sixth Fleet is the Mediterranean. Uh, Second Fleet is uh, North Atlantic, Arctic Circle type stuff. And um, uh, Fifth Fleet is Indian Ocean and Seventh Fleet is the Western Pacific. Now, do they all do all the games kind of operate at the same time period? Yeah, yeah. So it's you know mid eighties, uh, mid to late eighties. Um, so all the all the technology and all the forces, everything there is uh, you know based on that. So you you know you won't have uh, what's that new the Enterprise. Not the Enterprise, you know. The, you won't have the. I think the Arleigh Burke is the, the the latest ship in it, and even then, it was. It's kind of, um, you know, perceived. This is this is what we think the Arleigh Burke is going to do. So are we? We're talking like Ronald Reagan, yes. naval warfare. Yes. Nice. Yes. 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 The yes. sweet spot. The sweet spot. Right. Exactly. The seven hundred ship navy. Um, uh, Layman is the secretary of the navy. 
And uh, anyway, so the the games themselves, the way it works is uh, you, you, know, you have different scenarios um, from you know local situations all the way through a campaign game. Uh, the nuts and bolts of the game is uh, you'll have you have three three action phases uh, per per day. Each turn is eight hours. Uh, so when it's when it's your turn, you'll you'll decide what you want to do. Whether it's you want air assets, you want to move your surface assets or your uh, submarine assets. And so if I choose surface, then I'll move all my surface stuff and attack with them and so on and so forth. And then it'll be your 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 portion of the phase, and you can choose which one you want. So each turn is is got three action phases. Um, detection is a big thing, and I. Uh, so you can uh, locally detect or strategically detect stuff with with uh, reconnaissance aircraft. Uh, local detection is uh, basically within 100 miles. Each hex is, is f I think, 50 nautical miles. Uh, something has to be detected to be attacked. Um, things are rated for uh, surface warfare, anti-submarine warfare. Uh, you have close close in defense you have area defense so the the nature of your stack uh, the things the things on top uh, on top of a stack of counters are protected by the things below them with their area defense so it's it's kind of neat how that works and it um, in, in so basically like you have your your pickets on the top yeah like yeah so it is and then you so it, it and then they, they're trying to get into the carrier the best troops the best vessels yeah yeah in the, the middle of yeah the it, it reflects the no, that is cool. yeah, it reflects the naval tactic of, of rolling back someone's defenses um so like if you're gonna if you're gonna attack uh, a, a task force with uh, air assets you'll send in you know you'll send in a couple of squadrons kind of you know you kind of use up their defenses and then the next squadron will come in i remember one of the one of my more important games um, in high school so i always played the soviets and you know since then i've always kind of always played the bad guys in any game you play um, but i wound up uh, sinking the new jersey in, in a game of six fleet um, back in the 80s and my buddy back then was my main war gaming friend and uh, you know we were both both in high school, both in in ROTC, and so we kind of we kind of ate, slept, and 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 shit, nineteen eighties naval stuff. Lucas, my 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 friend, was really loving the New Jersey battleship, and I wound up sinking it. And, and I swear to you, he busts out with, throws his arms up in the air and screams out. <laughs> You sank my battleship. It was the funniest. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah, that's an iconic. I know it right stays there. with you forever. <laughs> so uh, anyway, it's it's it, it's a really it's it's an interesting game. Um, it it I think it reflects the tactics of the day. Um, and I would I would if if you have any interest in it at all, I would say check it out. The, you can get them. They're obviously out of print. Um, you can get them on the secondary market for you know thirty to sixty bucks. They're not that bad. Yeah. So so Scott, when we're talking about reviewing the the series or the game itself, like so, this is kind of like the uh, area around the Scandinavian countries, like 
northern Arctic area. Yeah, so right. Norway. Norway plays a big part in it uh, with the bases. Are, are, are there are there major engagements, or are we talking like resupply type missions, or like is there a big like dr like knockdown battle? There is. Like if, you know, you play the uh, if you play the campaign game, uh, you know your victory conditions are 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 set forth. As uh, because it, as you get into the advanced game, you're actually attacking bases with paratroopers and marines and 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 so on and so forth. So you're you're that's that's the crux of the 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 battles and your naval forces and air forces are in support of that. And um, yeah, good. it's 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 neat. So the um, I forgot. Oh, what that's I was very cool. Say. That's good. Yeah. No, I think you did. A, that's a great review. I think that's. Nice, concise, very simple, but very clear review about the game. That was great. No. Single map, right? Just uh, map sheet. There, there are two maps um, that you put together uh, you know, for the, for the larger campaign. You can play the smaller scenarios on a single map. Um, I think every game has, has two maps in it. It looks pretty playable, right? Like, I for some reason, I, I had the impression that these games were like these huge, big monsters. But as I look through BGG at the pictures, it's like fairly low counter density. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, you know, my, my, my recollection, you know, from from high school. That we played over weeks, and then you know, recently, I've I've started delving back into it. And it is it is extremely accessible. They're very playable. Um, in fact, I think between yesterday, while my wife was at work, and this morning, I banged out like four or five scenarios from the you know basic and intermediate rules. Right on solo. Yeah, and is there any other game system that's really replicating? Like, there's no modern game that's like replicating what these games did. Yeah, I think the closest one is. Uh, I think breaking the chains. Uh, oh yeah, don't get uh, yeah, apparently, apparently not. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues. I, I know. So I mean, that was obviously you know I was I was very interested in in looking at that, and then I forget who it was was saying you know this this game is terrible. Um, well, I'm sure I'm sure it was Ralph. Yeah. I think Ralph like shot a, a torpedo <laughs> right through the hole of breaking yeah. the chains when you yeah. mentioned it. So uh, I think one of the interest, the more interesting things about breaking the chains is that is the, the, uh, the detection sequence, which I really don't know anything about. So it's, you know, uh, I think you just make a roll. So it's, it's, it's intimately playable solo in that respect. And that's the other thing about the fleet games is you can play them solo because there's no hidden information. The only, the only thing that, that would cause you issue is in the uh, the sequence of of the action phase where you decide you know, am I going to am I going to activate my air stuff or my submarine stuff? You know, when you're playing against yourself, it kind of has you know you kind of have issues with that. And then for your sure. for your air assets at the very beginning of 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 a three turn section, a twenty four hour uh, time period. Uh, you put you can put some air air assets on uh, on strategic missions, uh, which is reconnaissance and such. Uh, yeah, my only experience with this type of wargaming was uh, with the old harpoon game. Oh my computer. god! Mm. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, that so we played that on the Mac. Features. I think I had on my Mac. All right. So that's good. Oh, so what would you rate it? A one to ten in Second Fleet 
for fun? Uh, for fun, I'm going to say I'm going to give it a solid eight plus. Um, and you and beers? Uh, beers, you can drink a lot because the 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 game system itself is pretty simple. So six plus, six to eight, and and still wow, play. That's great. But then that's that, me, that is so. actually, <laughs> but but it's kind of like when you look at those types of games, you think that they're going to be. More I know it looks because yeah, it all does sorts look very of, complicated, but it isn't. Once once you you know, once you read the rules and 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 understand that it's you know it's it's the only issues are the the different types of combat and the modifiers. So it's got kind of a weird combat system where you you add up like say I'm going to attack you with uh, surface to surface missiles. So I add up my surface-to-surface missile combat value, and then you add up your defensive values. So, you know, we talked about a stack earlier of of units that have an area defense value, and then you add all that up. So everybody in a stack, you know, contributes their area defense value. And then the target itself and anything below the target in the stack adds up its close defense value. And that gives you a... uh, uh, a defense value strength where you look on a chart, you roll a die, you apply some modifiers and that gives you a number, which is going to be a, a negative modifier to the attack. So then the attack adds up the surface to surface missile attack value and subtract. Right, yeah, I'm sorry. Starting, okay. It's, it's starting to sound complicated. <laughs> is there a doctor in the house? the other way. <laughs> My <laughs> hypoglycemic attack. <laughs> I just realized what I did. I'm so sorry. I was sorry. following along. Anyway, <laughs> it's got a wonky combat system, but it's not terrible. Much better. Good job. Yeah, we like we like words like wonky and you know imprecise and and just you know boil it no, down to the good. nuts and bolts. Yeah, it's always a question. So it sounds like it's wonky, but it's really relatively straightforward once you learn how to play. Yeah, yeah. The bottom line is, I I, I do believe it 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 really follows the tactics of of the era, so follows it well. It's cool. Perfect. I approve. All right, so uh, I'm going to do my next review because Jason's not drinking, so I'm allowed to to jump in right now and go. So, uh, does anybody need to take a break? Nope, I'm good. I'm going into the kitchen, but I think I've I've got think I've got this wireless thing, so I'll be able to hear you. Scott Scott's got his catheter. Uh, He's ready to go. (laughs) He's he's all good. Buckle down. So, so the big game that I got uh, between the last podcast and this podcast was La Bataille de Dresden, which is uh, Clash of Arms. You can get it for like. 85 90 bucks at uh nws which is a crazy price that's really cheap and the game is absolutely beautiful it's napoleonics uh labatai game and uh you know there's a ton of counters it's very large i mean basically on my table it's almost eight by five so i'm thinking it's got to be probably six by four with all the maps it's a four map game really beautiful pieces uh the interesting things about this game is um, they kind of have changed the rule system again to where we used to have the uh, Marie Louise rules, which in Muscawa, which were considered like kind of the basic rules. And uh, then in opposition to them, we had the regs, which were considered the more complicated rules. 
so I had I had kind of gone on to the regs, and those were the rules I was using. This game introduces uh, a third set, which is basically the Dresden rules. <laughs> so then I was like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, you know, you're trying to get people to play. You know, people have already spent the time and invested the time to learn how to, to play the old set. Like, why would you, like, do a different set of rules? And apparently the, the new set is a combination of the Marie-Louise rules and the prior set, which was called the Premier rules. So uh, visually, I mean, and if people don't know Dresden, basically Dresden was an important uh, uh, supply area, supply depot for Napoleon. So the allies uh, attacked Dresden, hoping I don't know, to, to mess with Napoleon. Napoleon reacts and responds there to fight. Initially, he has some small forces defending the area, some of which are weaker, like poorly trained units. And then as time goes on, like Imperial Guard units are there. So there's, it's actually kind of interesting because you can fight with from the French side. You have a good mix of Imperial Guard troops and crappy provisional troops uh, to fight with. And Napoleon's on scene. And he's not a complete idiot like he is in a lot of scenarios. So Napoleon's kind of like strong enough to do some stuff. So that's kind of cool. So uh, the scenario itself, as far as the Battle of Dresden, is kind of an interesting choice. Um, the regs are the same that they were in the previous games. So I'm not going to talk about a lot about them. I use the regs rules myself. I love them. I think they're very good. They're very well supported. Uh, they explain things very clearly, while sometimes they can be very detailed. Um, they're they're never not clear, and they really walk you through carefully through the different phases and what's going to happen. In fact, uh, with the duck, we played Moscowa, uh, the Shevardino scenario recently, using the regs, and yeah, it was very clear to him what what he could do or what he couldn't do, and and so it was very easy for us to. to that play was through a it. small scenario, right? Where you're you're assaulting the the, the gun positions, right? Shevardino is like a beginning scenario, but it's very deceptive for the French because the Russians have a ton of troops. So if the French are way too aggressive in the beginning, they, the the Russians have like two dragoon brigades and like an entire cuirassier division they will come down and just crush you and sweep you right off the map so the french have to be very deliberate in how they advance like at this point we're probably three turns in like almost all of my guys are in square <laughs> they're just like all standing back to back because he has the whole cuirassier division like waiting to pounce on me so the game is a but it's a great scenario because the first couple turns are all moving and getting the feel for the rules so, so yeah, if you have Moscow, I suggest definitely start doing the Shevardino. So I'm going to talk a little bit. This, this game is beautiful. The map for Dresden is incredible. Uh, all the little palaces, the rivers, the, it's gorgeous. The units are, are, are wonderful to look at. They're very attractive counters. It gives you a huge variety of, of troops. And in the tradition of La Bataille, uh, generally the lower half of the counter is the pants and the top is the, the uniform shirt. So you've got all sorts of Croat and Grenzer units that have blue pants and brown shirts, and they look great, very attractive. Um, the one thing I'll say that I didn't like about the game is the Dresda rules that came with it, not just because of the confusion that it might cause, because you had the Marie-Louise rules, you had the Regs rules, and now you're gonna throw in another set of rules. 
I just don't really like some of the ways that the rules were done. Uh, one of the things was in the old rules, like if you wanted to take a morale check, you would look up your, there's a chart and you look up your morale check modifiers. In this game, there's, while they have a bunch of charts, there's no chart that says morale check modifiers. So as you read through the rules, you'll read a section where it says, oh, by the way, if you're disordered, it's a minus three to your morale check. Okay. And then you read later, it says, oh, by the way, if you're what they call PGD, which is routed, but of course they can't call it routed. They call it plus grand disordre. Yeah. PGD. <laughs> so yeah. it's, they'll say it's minus six and then they'll say, oh, and by the way, if you're in this situation, it's minus this. And if you're in this situation, so I'm like, you have to read through the rules to figure out the modifiers. And then I guess you're expected to make your own morale modifier chart that you can then refer to. And when I mentioned it on the thing, you know, Ed Wimble's been great about answering my rules questions. He didn't really kind of get the fact that I'm like, I think there should be a chart that summarizes all the, the morale modifiers because mm -hmm. you're making a lot of morale checks. So that's kind of important. Uh, the new rules did make it much easier to make assaults, which were kind of a complicated thing in the old rules. Uh, but they have this annoying habit of mixing in French words with English words, like plus grand de to uh, kind of make it seem cool. Like there's zone of influence. So instead of calling it ZOI, they call it ZBI with an apostrophe. <laughs> Size, like, what the That's fuck? nice. Come on, just call That's it. Nice. You know, I mean, and like, so food de attacker, food de assault. Like, dude, just use English. Like, there's times. Yeah, when that they shit refer, drives me crazy. There's times when they refer to the same phase in French, and then in English. So you're not sure. Like, well, I'm not a <clears> French speaker. Is that the same yeah. phase yeah. you're talking about? I can or? understand that with like Frederick Bray, Frederick Bay stuff. The the jour de glore, the days of glory stuff. But Wimble looks like an American. I don't know if maybe he isn't. I don't but know. if the rule well, book is in English, put the shit in English. It doesn't. That doesn't oh, make any sense. Yeah, I won't even get it. There, there's another thing I want to. It's uh, like some Euro game bullshit trying to add theme. Like you don't need I'm, a theme. I'm, I'm going off memory here, but there's this, a table to form square. And square, the square formation is car yeah, or maybe yeah. carré, carré, C-A-R-E. So it's not even like to form square. The table is called the realization to form square. Like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Like, realization. So esoteric. Like, I love it. Before we form square, one must come. Have we realized what is a Have square? We? Like, I was like, come on. We're fucking Americans. Most of us. We're playing the game. Like. I get that. I get that you're trying to like. It's kind of cool to put French words in, but I just it drove so me it's, fucking it's, absolutely. No, it's never cool to put French it's words. It's interesting in. that you right, like so. you like maps that bring you into something because you know I've seen a couple of your posts that say, you know, especially with that and that stuff recently. Right. But you're you're being you're being resistant to, you know, not when it's confusing. <laughs> okay. Like on the map. Right. If you're going to call a thing by a different word, that doesn't confuse me. But when you when you call something offensive fire, and then you call it later like food offensive, I'm like, is that the same phase we're talking about? Like, what is that? Like, okay, so let, and let me read. Here's one thing that I, I when I, when I was reading it, I was like, what the fuck are they trying to say here? So this is just one thing, and to be fair, it's just one. But this is the kind of language that gets kind of frustrating to get. 
and to be clear, I love the game with the regs. It's beautiful. It's fun. I'm going to play it a lot. But here's, here's a, I'm only critiquing the Dresda rules. This rule is called target precedence, and it, it refers to artillery. So it says, artillery must fire at an adjacent target, regardless of a better or preferred shot at medium or long range, right? Parentheses, assuming there is an adjacent target, of course. Yeah, no shit. If there wasn't an adjacent target, why would you even care about that fucking rule? Like, so just to run over again, artillery must fire at an adjacent target, regardless of a better or preferred shot at medium or long range. So the rule is basically saying, like, if there's a guy right next to you, you can't shoot at somebody from long range or medium range. Like, you got to shoot mm -hmm. the guy that's next to you. But why then put next to it, assuming there is an adjacent target? Of course. Like, come on. Like, are we just writing notes to each other in the rules? Like, I don't understand. Like, is that a jab? So you can at shoot someone? at something farther away unless there's something next to you, assuming that there's something next to you. Is that basically what it's right? Yeah, basically, like yeah. every every game has rules like that. Like, hey, you can't shoot at a long range target if there's right. someone next to you, assuming, assuming there's someone next something's to you. <laughs> I was like, what a weird thing to insert into the rules. Aye, aye, aye. So that's cool. So that was that was that. So that's uh. So the big the big changes. Other there's other changes that are weird in the Dresda rules. Uh, Let's see, stacking changed the way MUs activate is weird. So now basically the way it used to work in uh, the regs is guys would, uh, you'd have a lot of chits. It was basically a chit draw system where you'd assign chits to different formations. And when their chit comes up, they move. Now the idea is uh, you have all your chits for formations. You put them in a cup. The first guy to pull out a chit from his side moves all of his formations. So you lose the kind of disjointed action that could sometimes happen in a, a regs game or like a traditional Blabatai game where I really wanted to move this unit, but this guy before him hasn't moved yet, so I don't know if I want to do that. Now you basically get to move all your guys. So the only advantage of having a lot of commands with chits is you're more likely to pull your chit first. So you move all of your dudes, and then when the other guy pulls his chit, he moves all of his guys. Is that clear? Have you found you have a preference yep. for one way or the other? Well, I prefer the the disjointed because I think it creates more command friction. Yeah. Because in in the Labatai system, there was kind of a rule which was correlation. Normally, you'd put MUs down uh, for activations on divisions and brigades, but if you had an army leader that came and sat with a core commander, he could activate that core commander, and then the core commander could get an MU, and when he activated. He would, when you pull this chip, he would activate all the divisions with him. So it would be kind of a big coordinated attack. Like all the divisions could then move together as opposed to individual divisions activating. And so it's kind of like now they're stepping back and saying, yeah, that's not that important. But it seemed like a very important thing in the, <laughs> when I played the previous game, that that was the whole advantage of having a core, that a core commander could move his divisions at once instead of having to wait for individual division chits to pull you know do you get what i'm saying maybe so, so, <laughs> okay all right so to, to make it clear you can put you've got these markers that they're activation markers basically they've got a, a carbon copy that goes into the chit cup so if i have a core that has three divisions i could put a chit on each division and have three chits, or I could put one chit on the core commander, and when the core commander's chit gets pulled, he can then activate all of his division commanders at once. 
as opposed to if I have the individual divisions marked for activation, then I'm at the whim of when their chits get pulled as to who can go first. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when the core activates, they can all go at once and I can coordinate all their actions. Well, in this game, you can move all your guys once you pull a chit, so it doesn't seem like core activation really matters as much okay, anymore. Yeah. Because there was always a problem where, okay, this division's going, and then maybe three activations later, the next division in the core might get pulled, where it was always nice to get that core activation pulled, and then they could all go. So it, it's weird that one edition of the rules would make such a focus on that as being an advantage of cores, and then say, oh, now we'll just let all you guys go at once when you pull a chit from any of your commands. So I could have 10 divisions and a core all marked with MUs, and as long as my MUs, the first one pulled out of the chit cup, all my guys get to go at once. So see how it's different? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> so, and there's another stupid thing that I fucking hate that they say, <laughs> and by the way, in the maneuver segment, you have 10 minutes to move all your guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So dumb. I'm like, what does that reflect? Do you, like, my do ability you to tweezer guys fast? It reflects hurry up. When you tell me that, I take that rule and kick it right out into the trash. I don't can. think I've like, ever, my dog except for maybe like rule. Space Hulk, I don't think I've ever seen any, or chess, obviously, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody use like time moved, timed moves. Well, I think Marshall Enterprises, I, th I think, and, and to understand the history of these rules, uh, Labatai has is kind of bifurcated, where Martial Enterprises has their version and Clash of Arms has their version. So I play the Clash of Arms version. I believe Martial Enterprises has the ten minute. Rule they do, yeah. I, I picked up uh, Voshop uh, recently, and it, it's in there too. So, but it, are are they considered the same system? Um, they're Labatai. Are they? They're similar, hmm. but the, I don't. So think then, what? Which one is the Legion one? Because Legion well, has one too, right? Well, I think Dresden has gone back a little bit more to the Marshall Enterprises system with this mm. new step. So I reject. It. <laughs> I was going so, to say I, now you now sound very partial to um, Clash of Arms stuff, and and and. Well, but this is for me. This is it's weird. that Clash of Arms would step back to this. So, but can you? I mean, it sounds like you can just you have basically both sets of rules. You can play these battles or the, this campaign with whatever rules you want to basically right the the, the counters are the same it's not gonna no absolutely change That's anything right. yeah there's, right. there's the uh, I, the regs is free it's freely available you can you can download them uh they come out with regs conversions for every every game that comes out so yeah i have no beef with it i'm just basically saying the game as it is looks great with the regs i don't know how it plays with the dresda rules um, the Dresda rules are, are obviously what's they're, they're designed specifically for this game. So, uh, the counters are great. The scenario looks, I don't know if I like the, the concept of the scenario where like finding a city, if I had to pick like a favorite Labatai game, it might be like Lutzen where it's like a median engagement, which is great. Or even Moscow is pretty good, but Lutzen is much more accessible. I think size wise. Um, so, so they're redoing, uh, cut bra, aren't they? No, no, they're doing they're redoing League Me, which is the partner game, I think, with Quatre Bras. Okay. Ka or Quatre Bras. Because right. I was I was looking at that as as an or, entry into the system. So so the B A R 
stuff. Well, Quattro Bra just got reprinted. Did, did so, it already happen? Uh, it just happened. Oh, I just damn it. it. Well, you oh, can I, buy I can still buy it. Available. I have to tell my wife it's a gift or a trade or something. <laughs> but it's a guild gift through the White Duck. <laughs> if you really had to get a good one, though, I would say Lutzen is a great one. If you can get Lutzen, it's a great scenario because it's a it's a very much a median engagement between the forces, and you have a lot of provisional troops, but you have a lot of Imperial Guard forces too. So it's kind of a good one. So Lutzen is kind of like a, a little hidden diamond there. Nice, nice. Now that my son's gone, we're, I'm going to take over his room, and uh, between that and the other spare room we have, I'm going to have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have another gaming room. I'm gonna have a gaming room again, and nice. hopefully, I'll be able to do some monsters at that point. Yeah. So for for quality of game for the money, it's incredible. And if you're into Labatai, you absolutely want it. I mean, it's got all the things you want from a Labatai game. It's got the King of Saxony holed up in his castle with a, a unit of Saxon grenadiers that'll never move. They're just there to protect him. Uh, it's got Imperial Guard troops defending the walls. Uh, a lot of gun redoubts, uh, uh, a mixed forces initially defending uh, the perimeter of Dresden while uh, the Imperial Guard and Napoleon rushed to show up. It's got all sorts of Russian and, and German and Austrian forces coming up that are great, like light divisions and uh, Cossacks. And just it's just a really great, beautiful game, you make, which for the you price make it sound <laughs> beautiful. Fantastic. It's great. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. I mean, literally, you can look in the town, and not only are, when you look closely at the map, the buildings are drawn, but the shadows of the buildings are drawn. So, like, if there's a church that you could defend, there's an extra shadow of the church on the road. I mean, the maps are gorgeous. The counters are really nice. Yeah, it's it. uh, it's great. But you just you have to pick the the set of rules that's going to work for you. For me, that's the regs. So I was kind of disappointed to see the official rules go back a little bit as far as I'm concerned. Because bottom line, if you put yeah, a kind of time limit on a guy's move, I think that's just crazy. I don't understand what that's supposed to represent. So, but yeah. So I'm having a blast. I play it. I have it on my table. Though I am probably going to break it down, to be honest, to play Napoleonic Wars because I got Napoleonic Wars from Jesse. Oh, that's cool. He gave me all the little miniatures to use for the, the guys. He came with all the miniatures. Sweet. So I think I'm going to play that. So. So I have that Dresden up for like probably three weeks, playing it like crazy. But I think I'm going to bust it down and, and put Napoleonic Wars up. So, so that's it. I would say uh, if you're a Labatai fan, it's, it's a must-buy Dresden. You're going to buy it anyway. Um, it's a little big. There's a, there is a nice opening scenario, which is like the advanced guard of the Russians against uh, one of the French divisions. So it probably is accessible to, to beginning players. I would say don't be afraid of the regs, even though there are the advanced advanced rules, because uh, they do kind of walk you through the different formations. And, and they have a lot of great examples in the regs. Uh, I don't know who's actually responsible for overseeing the regs, because I've heard that Terry Doherty, who was awesome, is no longer doing that so we'll have to see i don't know who the person is because i don't i don't go on constant world so i don't have any content <laughs> i make mike awesome. i make the duck put up all my content yeah. <laughs> for me i refuse i refuse to post <laughs> so uh that's it so i would say beers wise it's it's not too bad i would say you could drink five beers and play really? this game so yeah so i was going to talk that's about it. Um... what you got jason the fall of Berlin, 
which is a solo game from One Small Step, a, a, a company who were kind of growing to love, I think, or wanting to grow to love, um, kind of in fits and starts. Um, but it's it's not very good. It, I think they mean well. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. And well, I think John right? Compton wants to do well. Um, they're just not really putting kind of the finishing touches on this. So this is an old game. It's a game that was produced by, I think, Minden Games. Um, and so they kind of took it and updated it. And I don't know if they did like a an intelligent scan of a PDF and then ported that into their publishing software, but it's not very good. Um, like just even this, there's um, like three or four typos just in the setup, which is like the first paragraph of the rules. Um, there's bits of the, the rules that say, if this, then this, if not, go to phase period. So you don't even know what phase to go to. Like, and there's a, there's a, there's a proofreader <laughs> nice. credited in the rules, but they did a, an awful job. Um, it's, and, and it, it, the game just wasn't developed at all. Um, like you lose a point for every turn, you lose a point for, um, for taking hits and things like that. But if you get to 12, you lose. And it's like a 15-turn game. So if you get past, like, turn 5, you lose the game. So then why, like, it's it, it seems almost impossible to get to the place where you would actually be able to win. You'd have to inflict incredible losses. So I'm not even going to worry about reviewing it, because it's not it's not really worth it. Um, <clears throat> instead, I'm going to talk about Wing Leader. Uh, this is the yeah, baby. That's what I was waiting for, baby. <laughs> um, so this is the GMT kind of side-scroller air combat game. And this game is making me realize I might be an air combat guy. Um, I love Downtown and you know some of the solo games, RAF and... Um, oh, there's another one. Um, but I, I think I like games with planes in them for some reason. Um, this game reached out and grabbed me right away. Um, when I, when I saw it up on pre-order, I said, yeah, you know, I like the designer. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And then as it get, got nearer to publication, I looked at the rule book and it's like 50 pages and I was a little bit more hesitant, but said, hey, you know what? I, I like his other games. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to, going to check this out. Um, and then thankfully after it came out, Duck offered to, to kind of walk me through it. Um, get, so we got together on like a Sunday morning and, and went through a small scenario. And while the rule book is like 50 pages long, I think he's planning way far ahead. So the game covers things, uh, or the rules cover things you can't necessarily do yet, um, or you can do, but just a little bit. Um, I think he's really wanting to get this into like Korea and Vietnam, getting it into the jet era a little bit more, which if that's his plan, I'm super excited for it. Uh, because Wing Leader, I'm just going to say it up front, I really like. It's it's a really good game. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it gets you kind of right into... Uh, like, you'll have maybe one or two slow turns where you're just kind of moving and positioning, but it puts you kind of close enough 
to where you just have enough room to get a little bit of position or potentially get yourself in a hole um, that you're going to not get out of. Um, so it's, it's a very taut game. So the two big things are movement to combat. That's basically all you're doing. You're moving and fighting. Um, so, so Jason, how much how much impact does luck have on the game? Uh, there's a like lot of randomness. There's a lot of randomness. dice rolling. Um, there's a lot of like you know you can drop bombs and and the way he models things. Um, combat isn't always super effective. Um, but but we'll get we'll get into that. So movement basically it it's it, you figure out who has initiative. Um, it uh, the player age charts I'll I'll say in this too are are really good. There were a couple things that I was a little pissy about like oh this should be on the player age chart. Well it is and it just it just wasn't exactly in the place I would look for it. Um, but so everybody moves and then and then you're gonna fight. Um, so let's see. So initiative. Um, You'll move, but then if you have a tally on somebody, you get to move immediately after them. So a tally is like you've seen that person and you're kind of aiming for them. Um, for some of the the um, postures, like if you're in a sweet posture, you have to fly basically toward your your vector marker. You, you have to fly straight toward that. But once you tally something, you can break off and fly wherever you want. But if you have a tally on somebody, you move immediately after them. You don't have to move toward them, but you move immediately after them. And then if somebody's tallied on you, then they move immediately after you. So it can create some kind of crazy movement sequences as you get kind of closer and closer into combat. So the tally's going to allow you to react to their movements. So exactly. Vector it on them, basically. Yeah, um, what what is tally, what does tally so, mean? I'm not familiar with that term, so I'm just so okay. I've, so I've seen it in you, the reviews, you, but in the scenario setup, it will tell you what posture you're in, and there's four postures. Um, there's escort, there's bombing, and those are for the the rating, um, the rating player, and then there's sweep and one second, sweep and intercept, um, and those are kind of more from from the other side. So. If you're in sweep, you're going to set a vector marker on the map, and you have to fly toward that. But every turn, there's a tally phase, and you try to get a tally. Um, and it's basically just a, a d6 roll um, with some modifiers on it. And then if if your roll is less than the space between you and your opponent, it's successful. Once you have that tally, you're free to... So it's, it's, it's just like detection. It's right, like exactly. You've seen them, and, and now you, you've seen yeah. them and, and, and now you're free to, to move as you want to. Even though you're tallied on that person, and that's very important, even, if, even though you're tallied on that person, you don't have to move to attack them. You, it's, it's basically giving you the freedom to, to maneuver. So that's all that is. It's basically relieving you from your your patrol or your vector. And so if you don't have a tally and you get to your vector marker, you basically just stay in that hex or not hex. It's a it's a rectangle. Um, you stay in that square and just circle. You're, you're stationary. So so tallying is important. And then if you're tallied on your opponent after they move, you move. Um, counter by counter, almost. So is there is there a uh... I don't know. I don't know. Meta game in 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 the tallying oh, portion. Sure. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. 
so you, I mean, you obviously you obviously want to see them before they see mm -hmm. you. And 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 right? the type of aircraft um, you tally is important. Um, bombers typically move first, so if you tally with your fighter, um, a bomber. If you tally, so if you tally on a bomber with your fighter, you're going to get to go like three steps ahead of where you would if you were just, you know, if you're tallied on somebody um, below you. In elevation and I, I don't want to get too granular with with the movement rules themselves it's but once you play it one time it's it's super intuitive yeah yes so, so tallying tallying is basically you're saying like we're going i've after seen that guy and it's kind of alerted me well, I mean, that that here's what's happening and and yes you want to attack that person right exactly tally ho we're gonna charge <clears throat> so then combat Let's combat takes place when two counters of opposing sides are in the same square so here's where the luck comes in. You roll to get hits on on the other counter. The counters are either squadrons or flights, um, which you know is a certain number of aircraft per what type of aircraft it is. So you roll to get hits, but those hits might not really inflict, inflict losses. So then you roll to see if the hits become losses. And then if, if you do, those losses get put on your player aid. And the losses are based on what, like, defensive qualities of the planes? Like, bombers might be more, like, durable? Right, right. So the hits are based on the combat chart. Um, it's, like, you, you get an overall plus or, modest, plus or minus modifier, and, and each person will get the same, or the, the inverse of the other person. So if I'm attacking you, we, we figure out our modifier. If I end up at a plus two, that means you're at a minus two, no matter what. Because we, we tally everybody together. So Jason, be, be, beyond getting through the technical aspects of like the different mm -hmm. modifiers, so basically, can you run me through verbally like the way a game would work from your perspective? Like, there's a bombing run against you. You're trying to defend against the bombing run. What are you? What are your decisions and what are your decision points as you're moving through the game? Say that again. What are your decision points? Like, like you, like you might be like, okay, he's coming now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to put my squadron at this height. So much, or there's, I mean, what are the decisions you're making? Is right. So the decisions are who to attack, when to attack. Um, you want to have a higher elevation than your opponent, um, even though that's going to, it's going to allow them to move first, but it's also making them move first. You, you kind of want to move after your opponent so that you can kind of see what they're doing. Um, for bombers, it's when to bomb, or not when to bomb, but what elevation to bomb, what type, ty what type of bombing run you're on is is dictated. Um, it's <laughs> I'm I'm not making it sound so. As when, fun so as when, it's, it's no, no, it, it, you are. <laughs> I think you are making it sound fun. I'm just so like when when do you have an advantage? Say you have a fighter squadron. When are you an advantage over another fighter squadron? Well, that's where you get into the modifiers. There's there's a ton of modifiers, and I don't want to get into that. But basically, like if you come out of the sun, if you're above them, if you if you're a better aircraft, so the aircraft have a turn um, number and a and a um, speed number on them, and as the attacker, you get to pick which number you're using, and that can put you at an advantage in certain types of combat. Um, it's it's highly dice driven, highly modifier driven, and I, it's it sounds very complicated. But like I said, once you get through one play of it, you see where the modifiers are, you see the flow of it, um, and it 
it, it it'll then take three or four games to really oh okay that's where I shouldn't be attacking um, you know maybe I need to get a little bit higher or position myself a little bit better um, as a bomber I have to you know weigh the trade-offs of getting lower and and getting more effective flak against me um, but a better shot of actually inflicting yeah, and damage clouds, right you try to get into the like... clouds. Um, or keep clouds between you and the enemy. That that kind of thing is is what you're going to be looking for. Um, so uh, just real quick. Just now, as far as damage, as as far as damage, is it is it like this part of your plane's damage? Or no, 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 no. It's it's a way higher cut than that. It's it's so a loss is basically um, an aircraft. Um, but the more important thing is. After the, the loss check, you, you make a cohesion check. And here's where kind of part of the crux of the game comes in is your, your squadrons and your flights are very fragile. Um, you might not take any losses, but during this cohesion check, they might just break and bug out. If you roll low... Right, because they feel like shit's going badly. Right, or right. hey, we, we got outmaneuvered here... We, we got put into a place where we can't be effective at all. Um, and they end up having to basically bug out. Um, and and I, I think I said something on on the guild about, you know, the, the, the designers, uh, I don't know if politics or philosophy really comes through, is that, yes, maybe war is necessary and yada, 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 but it's, it's deadly and it's painful and, you know... It, with these, with these fragile units, almost sometimes you don't want to fight, and and I think he he likes to put some of that in his games. Um, you know, he's like a okay. So some of his feelings are, are involved in the game, right? And he he does a lot of these air war games, and and some of this you know very deadly combat. Um, but being also ineffective, like in downtown, the the U.S. could do really well on their bombing runs and that kind of thing. Um, but if one bomber gets shot down, they lose the scenario. Um, be you know, is that realistic? Who knows? But but you can you can see his kind of through line through his games. But it, that doesn't take anything away from this game. It it actually makes it super tense. Is you know, I have this squadron of pretty decent fighters and they go in against um against some bombers who don't do any damage to me but because our formation got screwed up or whatever we don't pass our cohesion check we have to we have to bug out and go home so it makes it very no, tense I mean, as I mean, to when to attack the, the game looks very cool and it's great that it's getting good reviews because it sounds like it's really good. Because when you look at it graphically, it looks like some kind of lame airplane. Yeah, it looks of super Frogger. generic. And, yeah. yeah, it looks like Frogger. Like <laughs> there's all these things. <laughs> airplane that, it looks very two dimensional. <laughs> We're like, man, coming down. Like, can I fit through the cloud? <laughs> it's like, but well, it, you know, it it does have one of the more striking box covers. Yeah, it just looks amazing. So, so the scenarios it has is it is it like Pacific and and uh, Battle of Britain and Europe, or is it just Battle of Britain, or it's, does it go all over? It's the place? all over the place. So there are five factions. I want to say so. There's the U.S. obviously, Britain, uh, Russia, Japan, Italy, and Germany. So there are there are scenarios all over the place. There are scenarios with 
you know, two counters per side all the way up to um, these huge bombing runs toward the end of the scenario book. I think there's almost 30, maybe like 25, 26 scenarios in the game. I've played... No shit. I've played like eight, I think, eight or ten of them. Um, And they all feel pretty different. Like the the different... um, the different aircraft for the different factions or different countries feel pretty different. Um, Their stats are different. They talk about on the scenario cards um, and the backs of the planes, kind of like Japan had the philosophy of, we're we're not going to armor these planes at all. We just want them to be fast. So their fighters represent that. Um, you know, the big U.S. bombers represent kind of the U.S. philosophy, which adds a lot of that that historicity and flavor to the game um, that I think as the game's... But so there is, there is enough of variation between fighter platforms that you can feel the difference, like, oh, this is the strength of the Zero, mm-hmm. this is the strength of the Hellcat, mm-hmm. or... That's cool. Yeah, yeah and they... You, they, you um, had mentioned earlier um, about, like... You know, moving into Korea and Vietnam, do do you really think that it, it would port over to that? Yeah, yeah. It seems like he's writing the rules or he's written the rules to capture that. Like he has rules for jet engines, and I don't think there are any jets in this game. Um, at least not that I've played with, um, or that I've let me see that I've seen. Um, so things like that, and and the way. Um, the way movement and things like that work, um, like bombers just have two movement points. Fighters, until they're free to move freely, also have two movement points. When they're free, they have three. So it's not like a huge difference. Um, I think jets always have three, or maybe they have four. Um, so it's not like going to... You're not going to have to change the scale of the, the squares necessarily to, to represent that. You're not going to have to change the scale of the squadrons and flights represented. Um, I, I think it'll just be a matter of what's in the scenario. Um, I think. It, and do, does it does it bring you into the combat, or do do you feel like you're just like managing squadrons? Um, you mean like down to like a dogfight level? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, it, do I feel like mm-hmm. Robin Olds? You know, or 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 am I managing squadrons? God, check this guy out. He's like fucking a... Is this guy a mystery host or what? Scott, where the fuck did you come from? What do you want? No, you're doing great, I think you're, I'm just... I'm, I'm commenting on your you're, skills. You're doing great. I, I think you're somewhere in the middle. You're not a pilot, necessarily. Um, it, but you feel like the chaos of all these different small fights going on. It's not. It's not a huge, you know wing commander well i guess it's called wing leader but you're not back sitting at a desk somewhere but you're not in the planes you're, you're somewhere in the middle um you, you feel the tension of of each of your squadrons on what they're doing you, you feel the the tension of the of the bombing runs and you know i'm getting but super the, but low the squadron but, v squadron role is a role, basically right with some modifiers say, that's say it. that again like a squadron fighting another squadron, it's a die roll with modifiers. Sure, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, well, it's you you put them in you put them in position, and then and then the fates fight up, yep. and that's it, and the result is the result. Yeah, well, right, it, but it's three die rolls, so there's even more luck to it. Um, but yeah, there are definitely things that you can do um, to 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 get a 
an upper hand in in a in any one combat. Um, you know, getting your veteran co- fighters in in where you need them and that kind of thing, or position them where you, where they should be. Those kinds of things will give you a better chance. But you might roll low on your co- cohesion check on your first combat, and then your veteran has to go home. So it's it's very tense. But it's it's fun, and the scenarios play out in like forty five minutes to an hour. Even even the big ones play super fast, um, which for That's me is cool. is a great thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's great that a game that kind of like took a challenge graphically it is an unusual graphic game mm-hmm. as far as how it looks. Uh, it's so fun, and I was surprised when it first came out, and then guys in the guild started playing it and loved it. Like I think Duck was one of the first guys to play yeah, it for and sure. really liked it. Uh, I was. That, I think that's great that you can kind of break that kind of tradition of how those games are supposed to look and and have them still be a lot of fun. Yeah, have it and, and have it get embraced. And yeah, it's it's super fun, super engaging. Um, I'm excited to see where the the series goes. So the next game, kind of, this one is forty to forty two. The next one's I think forty three to forty five. Um, I might still get that one. I don't know. Kind of depending on on when it comes out, but hopefully he takes it kind of into the 50s and 60s um i would i would love to see that happen um so fun wise i I actually haven't thought about it i'm gonna give it a nine um like i said it's just it's i might not have done a great job of of getting that through um but it's very tense very fun very action-packed once you get into it um Is, is this a potential game of the year for you um from last year or from this year? Because it's pretty early. Whatever. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> um, I th- if this game had come in in December 2015, would it have been in your game of the year? Well, I did play it last year. I, it's it's up there. It's 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 pretty good. It's it's pretty fun. Um, it'll be on the list for this year, and and I'll watch where the series goes. Um, beers, I would say your first game, you know, kind of take it easy, but from there it's going to be up in the you know seven eight beer range. It's it's pretty easy to play. You just have to remember to actually capture the modifiers. They're pretty important, um, you know, but they're all listed. It's everything is on the player rate charts. You don't have to look anything up in the rules once you've digested the rules a little bit, which I really appreciate. Um, it's not like there's a number modifier here that you have to then go find in the rules somewhere. Yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll like games that do that where, you, where you're not like chart dependent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's it's good. Dave, okay. you missed my review of Fall of Berlin. Yeah, I, I did. I was going to be. I assume it was not good. Not good. Not good. I kind of thought it was not going to be good. So what I will say about uh, that that gaming company, uh, one small step, is while some games might disappoint you, they, they don't take too much out of your pocket. So that's always been, I thought, the advantage with that. Yeah, that's so. true. And so one of my one of my highlights for this year, if it comes out, is their Vietnam game, which hopefully actually does come out this year. It was supposed to come out last August. Um, but that that's going to be the true test for me if I get burned on that one. Yeah, what game is that? Yeah, but uh, it's called No Trumpets, No Drums, something like that. It's a strategic level Vietnam. The bottom game. line is, 
silver bayonet once it spreads out it's going to just crush man if they take else. that to other campaigns so, i'm going to be dominate so, so yeah, stoked. It's totally dominate wow. because it's going to be play tested cool it's going to be totally smooth mm -hmm. and it's going to just run through all the other scenarios and then there's like almost like you could make like 16 fucking games of that series yeah, so seriously. it's like it's going to crush everyone and so, it's, and the nice it's thing only is like once 30, you learn it 30 35 dollars for pre-order that's that's yeah i think it's 30 unbelievable. Yeah, it's awesome yeah. Oh, or or I don't know. Maybe they should do the GTS method, package them all as <laughs> Vietnam, and charge like twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, six games in one box. But yeah, once it gets uh, run through, because we are running through, I, it's going to be really good, and I think uh, it's going to just be a great set because you, once you know the system, then you can just jump jump to every other campaign and play. So, like a lot of and, time. And I, I, and I've been playing purely as Pavan. So. You've been playing so, it too? I think Mitch get Pavan, P-A-V-N. Yeah, me too. Mitch made me play the U.S. NBA. the last time we played, and, and it was well, very Well, Mitch got kind of mad at me when I called him Pavan. So I'm like, well, well we're going to call him That's what they're what called, we want, isn't it? You know? Yeah, well, well, like it's like in Next War Taiwan, the, the Chinese are always called the pricks. And then you have the Dipricks for the North Koreans. So, I mean, everybody comes up with their names for the sides. But I guess he prefers PAVM as much as Mitch actually cares. But. Saying the letters? Or just People's Army, right? I don't think he really cares so much. He just thought it was interesting that I was calling Pavan. Would you say ARVN? I wouldn't say that. I know. Everybody calls him the Arvin. Well, I think <laughs> it's natural that if you have an acronym, we're going to make it into a word. So, Yeah. Arvin and Pavan. I like okay, it. so so got but, but we, before what, we move but, on from but, Silver Bayonet, yeah. we need some right. Skyhawks on those on those air counters. But that's that's my last critique of the game. Oh, the, oh, are you talking about for air points? Yeah, yeah. I want to see some Skyhawks on those ones and twos. Sky Raiders. I said Skyhawks. I meant Sky Raiders. Yeah. I, I, your, your Vietnam nerdiness is lost on me. Uh, <laughs> I assume he'll do whatever you want him to. They, I, so I certainly A1, hope so. We, we like Gosh. Sky Raider? Yeah, yeah. I said Skyhawk, but I meant Gorgeous airplane. Seriously. And just so I also the think if there's, a, if there's a, the other thing is too, is if there's other guildies out there that want to play test this game, I think they should let Mitch know and do it because uh, the key to these games is have, making sure that the scenarios, because like I said, when we ran through the, the basic campaign scenario where they're fleeing, it was like, first question was, did anyone ever play this scenario? Because like it's not yeah. fun. It's not that fun. First, that, the... mm. If you're not the U.S., it's a drag. Yeah, and that was my well. One of my two complaints with the first edition is like some of the scenarios are just awful. Like it, it doesn't even make sense. You know, like as as the the, the NBA or the VC or the Pavin or whatever you want to call them. It's yeah, you're running away. But your victory points are then based on inflicting hits, so you can't, you can't, in, you know, you can't ob uh, obtain either of your objectives. Um, the victory condition. So my other criticism is that the, the victory conditions were just way out of whack, and and Mitch yeah, is yeah, really so, concentrating on that. Right. So Mitch is a friend of mine, so they're like, I'll say that up front. But uh, he's also very yeah, receptive <laughs> to feedback and very reasonable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not talking to you, Jason, more than I'm talking to the guys out there. I know, I know. So, disclaimer across the board. And, yeah, and I don't think buddies. either of us will review Mitch the is, game Mitch when it comes a, out because we're so involved Mitch is in a it. tight guilty for us. He's a good guy. He's the best. But he's also very receptive, very reasonable. And uh, 
I don't know if we talked about this last time, but one of the things I've been talking about is getting into the explaining, teaching people the war while they play the game. So if there's a rule that is reflected in reality historically, like this is why this rule exists, because historically this is how the NBA did things. I'm like, Mitch, mm -hmm. you should put that in there. So that's kind of something he's been doing. And yeah. but everything basically we've talked about, I mean, it's back and forth and I think it's going to be really good. So I'm really positive about the project. I think it's going to be great. So, and meanwhile, people are going to be like, Oh, here we go. We're talking about silver <laughs> bayonet again. Oh, we have our AC. silver bayonet minute. Yeah. It's the AC project. And speaking of which I have the ASL minute. Yay. <laughs> now, Scott seems sincere. Jason, not so much, but I will still do. No, the ASL I, minute. we didn't have it last time. And I know people look forward to it. Yeah, there we talked about people, that you do it. There are listen, we talk who about like it. we talked about silver bayonet quite enough. I got my piece in now. Now the ASL guys can have their ASL. There, there are people who like it. So, and again, I'm not going to do the goddamn accent the whole time because I can't do it. So, just can't do it. So, you got to do it. Are we ready to start? Only with you're going to do the accent. <laughs> oh, whenever you're ready. Scott is already fucked up. You <laughs> fucked up, Scott. I can already tell him from the drunk. So, so I've, I've like uh, half a it. bottle of vodka. Now. All right, Scott, Plus stop about talking. Three or four beers. Stop okay. talking, Scott. <laughs> the, the rank of drunkenness is Jason's like dead sober. I'm pretty liquored up. Scott, God bless you, is hammered. That's great. I love it. You, you got your review done. So now I need you to just be quiet while I do this review, the ASL minute, real quick. All right, so here we go. We ready, Jason? So now it's when you're going to insert your little uh, the ASL thing. Yep. All right. ASL. 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 Well, hello there. We're going to talk about RB sellers. Sellers are <laughs> obviously the understory of a building. It's amazing. Can you believe a whole building in red barricades might actually have a seller down there? Let's go down and see what might be down in there. It's incredible. All right. So that's the part of that because I'm not going to do the uh, Hugh, I'm the Hugh Hauser imitation the whole time. So, that uh, was amazing. Can't do it. <laughs> That's incredible. Are you telling me this whole cellar's down here? Wow, you can see right out these windows. All right. So uh, so basically in, in ASL, you have cellars. It's a red barricades rule. Uh, any multi-hex non-factory building, uh, and it's on the, it says on the RB map, but it's also in Valor of the Guards, they have a cellar level. So yeah, basically a lot of these big buildings had cellars where they could store stuff and, and uh, and keep stuff down there. So the nice thing about a cellar is it's a considered a fortified location. So while a, a strong building like a, a stone building might be a plus three, the cellar is actually a plus four. And then they do an exception, which is like, duh, if it's a wooden plus two, the cellar of a wooden building would be a plus three, which I don't really understand because it's still a cellar and it's underground. You'd think that would still be plus four, but, no. but who am I to argue with the, uh, the, uh, the gods over at MMP. The, yeah, the building architects that have been hired by SL. So and the structural engineers. So uh, basically, there's a lot of rules for how you can get into a cellar. You can't. You can get in from the top of a cellar. Like if you're on the first floor, you can come down into a cellar. But th there's some very important rules, which is like how trenches connect to them. So if there's a trench, you can actually dig a trench into a cellar area and move into there. Probably the most important rule that I've seen, in fact, I hosed 
uh, Pete on this last night when we played was the whole point of a seller is that there's only a couple windows you can look for where you get all this protection of being in the seller, but how are you going to see out of the seller? Like we've, some of us have been in sellers, mm -hmm. some of us against our will, right? Remember that guy, <laughs> Jason, you were trying to sell magazine subscriptions mm. and he lured you into his house and you spent like four or five days in the cellar. Okay. We don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. So uh, some of these sellers, you know, they have limited windows. So the idea is, like if you have a half squad, all the guys can shoot out the windows. But if you have a full squad or a bunch of guys, like more than three stacking points, which would be a full squad, only half of the guys can actually shoot out the windows. So a squad or larger in a cellar is going to be halved for firepower. The exception to that is if they have support weapons, like maybe a machine gun or something, it just stands to reason that that would be one of the things they would shove out the window to shoot. So support weapons tend to add to the firepower of a seller. So that's uh so man, it's crowded down here in this cellar. It's amazing though. All this stuff. Are you telling me that all this material down here is from California? That is incredible. I can barely look out this window. I guess that means my squad can only shoot as half firepower inherently. Oh, but you're going to hand me a light machine gun? Wow, now that light machine gun fires at full firepower. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. Nice. That's the yeah. ASL method. I'm surprised well, without, uh, a, without a Buffalo Bill reference. Oh, right. How is it, it puts noted? Lotion on a, it puts the lotion on its <laughs> skin. <laughs> Put the fucking dog in the basket. It puts the lotion on its skin. It's amazing. Your skin feels amazing. So is there a counter that you put on your guys that, that say it's on the cellar? Or is, is there oh like an off-map box? Jason, or do you just have to remember is, that they're that in the cellar? That question is so dumb, it's incredible. Yeah, there is a cellar counter you put on the guy. Okay, perfect. Well, because like, I, have, the cellar I have kind of has a little staircase. Game. No, the cellar has a little staircase that goes down to cool. where the guy is. Good. It doesn't have a crank with a basket where you lower mm -hmm. stuff down to them. Because I have that firepower game, and, and cellars and second stories are, are represented on like an eight and a half by eleven sheet that just say like yeah, that game sounds you know, ridiculous. Second floor. Yeah, I won't even acknowledge the existence of that game because that game sounds so That's dumb. It's not. It's not very good. Yeah. So, uh, but the, the, so the problem is when we're going to game. On, we're going to have a situation with Pete and I where we have to keep track of all these. We're doing Valor of the Guard, so we're going to have to keep track of all these floors and cellars. And so we're kind of struggling with that a little bit. Um, but I, I think part of it is what we do is when we play, I think that I've, I've done a lot of the soloing. What you do is you stack the, the floors on the, the hexes on the map board, and then you have a side on the plexiglass, and then you floors down like duplicate markers and you can keep track of who's on what floor you know what i mean so so i might have on a on a hex on the map board that we're playing a cellar a first and a third floor and then off on the side i'll have written the, the hex and then i'll have the mm -hmm. first floor marker and who's on that floor and because otherwise you get these weird sandwiches the the floor counters are different sizes they're almost like the bread of the sandwich oh that's interesting so it makes it weird stacks where it's hard to keep mm -hmm. the stacks up. So. And then your tweezers don't work as well. Yeah, the other thing I'm doing is I'm bringing a History Maker Baseball to game on. So I'm trying to seduce Pete into playing History Maker Baseball with me, like in between ASL games. So, 
We'll have to, you'll have to review that sometime. The, the fact that you can play that game with baseball cards is fascinating. Yeah, yeah it's pretty can, cool. I saw that. You don't even need the cards. Like, they basically tell you, here's how to come up with all the stats. So That's you can cool. pull out a deck of baseball cards and play the game. They have... Uh, I'm, I'm, hold on for a sec. Can you guys talk amongst yourselves for a sec? I'm going to get the book because I want to show you something real quick on the book. So <laughs> okay. you guys talk for the next 15 seconds. Oh, okay. So this is going to be all on you because I don't pay attention to baseball at all. So if we're talking, yeah, I don't baseball, know anything about baseball either. No, I, I know there are asterisks because of drugs and that kind of thing. Like I said, I, I stopped paying attention in late in the late 80s. Yeah, but this game the, is fascinating. Yeah, the only sport I watch or follow is hockey. Yeah, uh, uh, you guys can stop your boring talking now. I'm back. No, oh, thank God. <laughs> so, so basically, speaking of sports, the Cardinals game's on, so we we gotta. Okay, we're gotta gonna wrap it up. up real quick. But here's, here's and I'm sure deal. Dave, we're at we're at two and a half right now. I'm sure you're about to get the stink eye. Oh well, we just hired Chip Kelly for the 49ers, so I'm sure we're gonna be awesome from now on. You guys Kelly, are like, great. He's never had a losing team his whole career. Okay, so um, there, there's. The cool thing about the game is you roll dice and yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get into the whole details because I'll review it probably at some point. But there is a highlight reel at the end. And the highlight reel, you can go from highlight reel to rare, very rare events, very, very rare events, and then generational events. So these are the type of incidents that can happen in your game. Drunken fan charges the visiting batter pitcher, lands punch before being removed. Visitor player is dazed, classified as cold for the rest of the game. Holy cow. <laughs> manager manager suddenly and unexpectedly departs. Team is now dissonant. <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> Infielder mistakenly thinks routine put out is third out. Tosses the ball into the outfield and trots to the dugout. Runners advance one base. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> or, or fan injured and fall from upper deck trying to catch ball. Home fuck? team is now dissonant. <laughs> home run barrage. Batter hits home run. Roll decider die, which is a 50% die for next batter. If bullet, next batter hits home run. Blank fly out. Keep rolling until someone flies out. So you can have batter after batter. I mean, these are the kind of... They need a Charles Bronson thing cool. where he like, starts they, shooting people from the stands. But these are like, four sixes. Pitcher suffers career-ending injury after being struck by batted ball. Batter safe at first. Game pause to attend to pitcher. So it's just like... Uh, That's awesome. This is a new game. This this game was made in 2013. It looks like it. It looks like it came out in the 70s. He's just gonna leave me hanging. No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, what I was, I was, you know, I was doing like an idiot. I was flipping through my pages in the book, talking. I'm like, oh no, this. Big. And yeah. I'm not pressing my stupid push to collect. So, mm. no. Uh, Campbell had this at Constant World, and at the last day, he's like, oh yeah, I've got history making baseball. I'm like, how the fuck did we not play this game at the fucking convention when we were drunk on gin like two days ago? We should totally be playing this game. It's a great game. And you can That's literally cool. take baseball cards and play it because all you do is take the stats from the season and it gives you all the it basically they have like seventeen or seventeen to twenty tags and you just give your guy a tag based on what his stats were and then the game plays. So So I have no interest cool. in baseball. You make me want to play that game because I wanna knock the fuck out of a pitcher with a <laughs> Oh dude, like what in what game does a drunk fan run across and punch the fucking pitcher in the face? <laughs> Seriously. 
Here's another one. Batter brush back, charges mound, punches exchanged, winning player gains harmony for team, both players ejected. <laughs> so he improves the, the, harm, the chemistry of his own team, but both players are kicked out of the game. So it's great. Really good. So that's cool. It. I'll review it later. They, whatever. Yeah. All right, boys. We got anything else? That's it for me. Scott. Um, no, I'm oh, good, man. I'm just... Scott, I think you're more than good. Absolutely. But, and now that in, in the finest traditions of mystery hosting, now you need to go get in a fight with your wife. So that oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, so, you did a great job. Awesome. So one thing, job. one thing that's weird is right. uh, I don't know. I noticed I noticed like you 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 click to laugh. It's kind of weird. It's like you're adding a laugh channel to it, like a sitcom. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of odd. It's it's, it's a really weird. Well, thing. I mean, it, what do you mean? Otherwise, you you're just leaving the person hanging. Yeah. So you know, somebody will say something funny, and then you have to click to laugh. It's just kind of weird. Or or Scott, you could just leave your fucking button down the whole time and just talk. Ew. Well, I didn't think of that until two hours and thirty-four there minutes we go. into there it. Go, <laughs> right. So, so the Dave, next time you host, you'll be ready to go. Dave, did we want to talk about the other thing? What are the uh, the shirts? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I'm I'm inclined to do the arrow the the arrow T-shirt first. Okay. Let's see how that one sells. My only concern okay, is so I think the other one. I'm not clear on what the IP is on that. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if someone, that's an original drawing or did someone. I think it is. Yeah. So anyway, we, we could talk about this on, offline. I just, I, I want to put this up afterwards so that I can put a link in so that we can actually uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe get something I'll to happen. I'll send you. I didn't know if, uh, uh, Eeyore sent you the, the newest, but he's made a much better version of the Arrow, which I think is good. It really looks good, where it adds that it's a podcast. So uh, maybe I'll forward that uh, to he you. He said he was going to do it. So yeah, let's use that then, because I, li I like that. So we're going to do, we're, basically what we're going to do is we're going to do a t-shirt. And uh, and you fuckers better buy some this time. Yeah, don't, don't make Ralph buy the last eight like he did last time. His kid has been wearing... <laughs> His kid has been wearing farting kitten shirts every day to school, and the, the teachers are beginning to have a problem with it. Yeah. To so we're going to try a t-shirt drive again to, Scott, to try to buy offset. Shirt? Oh, absolutely, I'm going to buy a shirt. I expect that at least all the mystery hosts should buy shirts, right? Yeah, don't worry about that. I think that would get us to our goal. Is this actually our scheme? Like, the whole mystery host concept was just to get them to buy merchandise? Exactly. Like, they buy in. <laughs> they're buying yeah. the podcast and they have to buy merchandise? Nice. Yeah. So we're going to do the. It's going to. It's a really great design. Eeyore came up with it. It's going to be. Some of you guys might know as Turk McDouchebag. Uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's. It's not necessarily a middle finger, but it's kind of uh, arrows where we're exploiting through advanced after combat, and it's a good one. So uh, I don't know. Can we do it in a couple different colors, or how does it work, Jason? Do they adjust the colors? Yeah, the t-shirts can be in different different colors. Yeah, they'll, they'll, there's going to be like eight colors you can pick from. Um, I, th I think the price is going to be like right around $20 and then whatever shipping is. We'll have to sell like 40 maybe. 
I think to hit to hit the goal. But I mean, we've got like thousands of listeners, and we've got probably <laughs> three hundred and something guys on the guild. So, and we've yeah. got at least twenty but, mystery hosts. Well, I'll, 30. Right. <laughs> I'll commit to one for myself and, and your and, wife. Well, and no, actually, wife. actually, not my wife. Now I'm going to get one for if Kyle. somebody can send me a picture of their wife on our Facebook page on our Panic Room. If someone can send a picture of their wife wearing a fucking guild T-shirt, <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> That would be yeah. You would gain uh, my respect. Uh, all of <laughs> uh, Okay, I'll send you like a dollar through PayPal. So, so okay, I, my respect is worth more than a dollar. So <laughs> probably cool. Well, I'll reach out to to Matt and get that, and then get get that. Yeah, it looks good. Hopefully looks later good. tonight. Cool. I've been really lazy on email, so I know you sent yeah, me some right. stuff, and I was like, I was like. Yeah, didn't even look at it. Fuck that guy. Too much stuff, dude. Dude, I've been studying I like crazy. So I've been like, work has been ridiculous. So, all right, Scott. Cool. Good job, man. Hey, thanks for having me, dude. This is awesome. Oh, we're our pleasure. You did a great job. And now let's get it up. Hey, Scott. Yeah. Can you get on and say, put that shit up? <laughs> put that shit up. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night, boys. Good night, gentlemen. Thanks again. Visit us at http colon slash slash boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash one six six zero or contact us at advance after combat at gmail.com. Is there a small teenage boy there helping you? Is working your mouse? Do you have a, a, a boy service? Take, take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> a small teenage boy working my mouse. Oh, fucking God, what did I get into?